0: Attention, everyone. This is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn on your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go. Ladies and gentlemen, I am so happy in this, the Golaverse Marathon for Cure at CureChildhoodCancer.org to to just have this return. There, there is so much. It, look, if I had hit a brick wall, this has just plowed me through because this is here. This is Rock Out Loud. This is the show where me, one of the most square people in the entire world, discuss rock and roll music, with the rockin'est chick in all the land. Yes, we're back together. Yes, this is happening. Yes, this is a thing. And yes, it is me, Steve Lawson, and along with me is the rockin'est chick in all the land. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Kristen from Jersey. What's up, Kristen?
1: Hi, everybody. I am as happy as Arthur Fleck dancing down those steps in Joker right now.
0: And I don't know how I feel about that reference. <laughs>
1: trust me i took so many people to see that movie and nobody liked it except my one friend andrea so (laughs) hi i
0: loved joker i was i will say this i don't i don't say that because i didn't like it i say this because the reason he was dancing down that little stairs because he was free and he knew what he was headed to do
1: i know but i am also free right now because finally after uh how many years of doing this podcast, uh, we're finally going to talk about a band that means more to me than most.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yay! I convinced him, everybody.
0: Well, you know what? It is, it's It's kind of crazy, and we've got to get into it here pretty soon. But before we, we do all that, there's a couple of things I want to talk to you about on the podcast. Okay. Um, first, <laughs> first thing, um, I, want to, I want to do a little loving on Bruce right now. Okay? Yeah, I got to watch the uh the Netflix version of The Bruce on Broadway, the S- Springsteen on Broadway. You did cuz yes.
1: when when we talked last, you said you hadn't seen it. I hadn't so. watched
0: it yet, and I sat down and watched it. Just what a storyteller. You know, I mean like right? he knows he knows what he's doing. He's a performer. <laughs> he knows how to h- tug the heartstrings. He knows how to communicate the the emo- he knows how to through prose you know through the spoken word communicate the exact same emotions as he does in in the song you know in the songs and stuff and so uh it is i was just really impressed i enjoyed it i like the kind of stripped down acoustic stuff he was doing you know i like the the jokes and the and the funny that he would throw in here and there but also like you say i mean it's his story and we know there are moments in the story that just kind of tug at the heartstrings. I love the self-deprecating side of Bruce Springsteen as well. You know, yeah. the the fact that he's like, "I'm a fake. I never worked in a factory. I never did all this stuff," you know. I love that where
1: he's like, "I couldn't drive, that's, and I would soon be racing in the street."
0: That's yes, right. how good I am. <laughs> I love it. I mean, it's what makes him and I've said this before about him, especially after going to the concert a few years back and seeing him the fact that there was just a smile on his face the whole time, that he's not too cool for the room, you know, and that's what makes him so cool is... Yeah, is, I mean, is, is he probably
1: the, also had a smile because he was making ridiculous money oh, off those things. Oh, sure. Feet, but continue.
0: Oh, sure. Well, you know, look, I, but here's the thing, Kristen, how many times have you gone to see people or you've been around and, and they just don't even seem they're not even acting like they're having fun. They're, a lot. They're on stage, they're going through the motions... And and it's just like, come on, you know, we're paying to be here. At least fake it for us. And and if he's faking, you can't tell because he does a great job of putting on for you, you know, and just a consummate showman. And then there was the movie about the music of Bruce Springsteen. And I still haven't seen it.
1: Oh, you haven't?
0: No. Seen.
1: OK. Um. Well, that was another movie that uh, everybody that I know that loves Bruce also didn't like. I did not. Hate it, but I am also a little bit uh rose-colored glasses with it mm-hmm. because the first time I watched it, I watched it with Bruce sitting in the row in front of me. So that's
0: right. And that's why I wanted to bring this up. What in yeah. the world?
1: <laughs> well, okay, long story short, so I there was a thing where it was like, okay, you can sign up to get tickets to the blinded by the light premiere in Asbury Park, blah blah blah. So I signed up and um you weren't guaranteed to get tickets because you were getting picked out and drawn out of a pool. So uh, I got picked. And then when you went there, you also were not guaranteed to get in. We were essentially seat fillers. So once all of the VIPs got in, then they would give out tickets.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I was in line and waiting. And I was, you know, there by myself because no one else I knew got picked or no one else entered. So I'm just hanging out there and um, – I'm like all the VIPs have been in for like 40 minutes at this point. So you're starting to kind of lose hope. And then this girl comes out and yells, Is anyone here a single by themselves? And I was like, What? I am. Hello, hi. Me. <laughs> and
2: she
1: was like, come with me. So I'm like, okay. So she hands me a ticket and I'm like, oh, oh my god. Oh my god, she just gave what? Oh my god. So went in. I was like floating on a cloud like Mm. I was ushered to my seat because I was just like oh my god and then literally like 30 seconds after I sat down in my seat all of a sudden all you hear is Bruce and he comes out from the front of the theater and I just see him walking up walking up walking up walking up to the row in front of me and sitting down
2: wow so At- I was
1: like, "Well, I'm really glad I brought tissues, but I'm really not excited that he's sitting in the row in front of me for me to make a total fool out of myself when I'm just crying."
0: Now, Kristen, as he's walking up, walking up, walking up in your general direction, uh-huh. what is going through your heart in that moment, like?
1: Um, it's beating out of my chest.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> like it's just like, "Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god!" Uh, yeah. And then you know, watch the movie. I cry because here's the thing. The movie is so about the lyrics mm-hmm. and like, I get it. Like it's, you know, I'm not, you know, a 16 year old, you know, boy living in the UK. Like that, that's not my story, but discovering Bruce Springsteen's music and having it impact me in a profound way is my story. So like the fact that it was so lyrically driven really got me. And like some of the songs that they freaking chose, I mean, like Darkest on the Edge channel, I'm just sobbing. Backstreets, mm-hmm. I'm like sobbing. So I'm like, oh, great. Okay, this is fine. Um, But then the movie, so the movie finishes, unless there's anything else you want me to hit before that. No, no. (laughs) Okay. So the movie finishes and I'm like, oh, they're going to lead Bruce out to the after party across the hall. Maybe. Or he's just going to sneak out because I didn't think he was going to go to good, going to go to the after party. So I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to sit here in my seat And when he walks by me, I'll like stick my hand out. Well, that didn't happen because security was like, "You gotta move." Um, Oh no! (laughs) Yeah. So, so I walk towards the door, and his kids are there, and I was like, "Oh, do do you guys have to go?" And they were like, "No." And like the son looks at me and just goes, "You know," like nods back. He goes, "We have to wait."
0: You (laughs) are even his kids had to wait.
1: Yeah. So I was like, "Oh, okay." So I walk out and I wasn't going to go to the after party because Mm -hmm. like I said, I didn't think Bruce was going to show up and I'm not into Southside Johnny. So I really wasn't going to go. I was going to go back to my car, but I couldn't because the um, walkway, like for anyone that's been to Asbury Park, this, the premiere was at the Paramount Theater and right across, like literally it's a hallway across is convention hall, which is where the after party was. So there was all gates lined up um with fans and paparazzi and (laughs) a ton of people that were lining them and i walk out of the doors and have never seen more disappointed people in my entire life um and i was like oh so i can't go back to my car i have to go across because there's no way to get out because there's all these people here so i walk across and i walk into the convention hall and I like walked up to the stage, and I was like, "Why am I walking up to the stage? I do not care about Southside Johnny." <laughs> so I go back. I go now, back to the who South is board. who is
0: Southside Johnny that you keep mentioning?
1: Southside Johnny was the dude that was playing the the after party, but he was like another Jersey bar band guy that like never made it big. Like mm-hmm. anyone in Jersey that is like a certain age, like you know who Southside Johnny is.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. So I went back to the soundboard and all of a sudden I see all these security dudes and, you know, I met Bruce at the book signing. I know what his security dudes look like. And all of a sudden Bruce walks in and walks towards me again. And I stuck my hand out and he shook it and I went, (laughs) and watched him walk up to his little VIP bar that he was in most of the night. And, um, Again, I was contemplating leaving. I was like, you know what? If nothing happens by 1015 I'm going to leave. And then at 10 o'clock, he got out of the VIP bar and went on stage with Southside Johnny and played four songs.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So he played a song. Or no, he played three songs. So a song I didn't know. Oh, no, Four. No, I don't know. I can't do math. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's too late. I've had some gin. I'm sorry. Um, So he did Sherry Darling. That was the only Bruce song. He did a song I didn't even know, which was apparently a cover. I have no idea. Um, and then they did um, Having a Party, which I knew. I was like, oh, I know the song. Oh, and then they did Talk to Me. So they did four songs total. Um, So, yeah, I had after – you know, 20 something years of my life, I finally had my genuine Bruce Springsteen popping up and because he wasn't supposed to be at the premiere,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, popping up and playing a show in Asbury Park unexpectedly.
0: Mm. Truly blessed
1: everybody. Wow.
0: That is awesome. That is fantastic. See that, that is, that's the life that you lead sometimes with this stuff. And it's just, we all just kind of sometimes just have to live vicariously through you.
1: Sometimes you just got to take a leap of faith.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And sometimes you just have to have a really awful year. Yeah. Well, and sometimes the sun shines on that's you. That's right.
0: Bit. Well, I want to go back to what you were talking about, the lyrics and how the movie really focuses on the lyrics. And yes. you're not a, you're not a dude from the UK or whatever. Um, yeah, but, not from Luton. but you know, on, on this show, you know, when we were going big time, major hot and heavy on, on the rock out loud, um, and and you were bringing me more and more into the music of Bruce Springsteen. It wasn't the music, you know, that necessarily caught me. I mean, there was a night where I was brought to tears by the words and the lyrics of of, uh, of Independence Day, mm-hmm. you know. And it, on this show, like that's the thing about this show. Like this show became a very soul searching show for me. A lot of times when we would do it, especially uh, based on those, uh, based on Bruce. A lot of times. Because the theme of what he is talking about, it transcends location, job. It transcends, you know, upbringing a lot of times, as far as the specifics go. Because the themes, the general themes, are things we all experience and know in life. The desire to get beyond your current status, the desire to be, to get, to break outside and be greater than what you are, the desire to overcome the weights of the past whether it's family deals or or work or the town in which you live that becomes this oppressive blanket that you can't get out from under this is springsteen this is the boss and um and it's it's it, yeah i of course that would mean you know and so that's what to me to hear you say that about that movie makes me want to see it that much more
1: yeah, I mean, I thought it was really enjoyable. Like mm-hmm. I said, I know there is a lot of people that had issue with it. I mean, you know, but m- hello, that's what movies are. But um yeah, I thought it was enjoyable. If you're a Sp- if you're not a Springsteen fan, I think you'll hate it. Okay. <laughs> if you like Bru- if you love Bruce, like Bruce or at least like have like an appreciation for Bruce or if you're just a crazy music person that like you have that band for you where it's like like I said, like I can literally pinpoint a few moments in my life that it's like that changed my life forever. And Bruce Springsteen is one of those moments where literally I saw Bruce live when I was nine years old and my life after that was completely changed. So it's like if you've had that moment with a band that means something deep to you, I think you'll like the movie. If mm. you don't like music and you hate Bruce, you will be like, this movie sucks. Yeah. <laughs> But Steve, lucky for you, uh you don't fall into that category. Right, so,
0: exactly, exactly. I was I was really interested to see it, wanted to see it and it kind of came and go pretty came and went pretty fast um, it did. in the it theater. Did. Um, the only music uh, related movie that I've been to the theater to see in the past year or so has been that yesterday movie about the Beatles music.
1: <gasps> I saw that I Steve, I've seen so many movies this year, it's ridiculous. I saw that. <laughs> yeah. um, I also saw Rocketman which I did not love. I didn't but get to see Rocketman. Yeah. Can, okay, has yesterday been out long enough that, like, I could spoil a scene?
0: <laughs> yeah, please.
1: Okay, because I swear to God, when I saw that movie, and he goes to the seaside town yes. and knocks on this door, yeah, and John Lennon opens the door, mm-hmm. like, I and my theater that I saw it in audibly gasped.
2: No. <laughs> like...
1: <laughs> And I, I mean, we've talked about it on this podcast, like, not a Beatles fan.
0: Neither of us. Neither of right? us. Right? Yeah.
1: Neither of us are huge Beatles fans. But when that happened, I was, like, so taken aback, thinking, like, oh, my God, like, in this world. And then he even says it to John Lennon. He goes, how old are you? And John Lennon says, like, 78 or something or, whatever, like, whatever mm. his age is. Yeah. And he, he just, like, looks at him in, like, a gasp and is, like, you made it. You made it to that age. Mm-hmm. Like. That that hit man. I and I know some people hated that scene. I loved it.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I loved it. I that's the that was really the moment that sold that movie for me more than anything else. I like the humor in it, you know, where Coke doesn't exist and different Cigarettes things. Cigarettes don't exist. Yeah, all these different things don't really exist. And, and it and it was it was kind of a fun that was a fun science fictiony twist on the thing. But when those two people who did remember the same way he did found him and gave him that address as he was going i looked at haley and i'm like he's about to meet john lennon like i kind yeah,
1: of i had no idea
0: <laughs> I, I well i i thought this would be neat he's going to go meet actually i think i said paul mccartney because that's I, figured, what I, thought. I figured i figured paul to pa- make a cameo yeah that's what i honestly figured i figured it would be paul mccartney so yeah that's what i said i said paul mccartney cuz when it was john lennon i was really kind of moved by that a little bit yes um and and more than more than that i was moved by kind of the the sage wisdom of a guy who you can't really tell if he if he lived obviously he lived through the time, but you can't really tell if he got really involved in the peace movement, and uh-huh. you know you you don't i don't you you kind of sit there and you're like, you're not with Yoko are you that't that didn't that I wasn't got your that life too, Steve. you I know? Was like I don't know that he, uh, Yoko came into it yeah, and so you really get the idea that this dude just had a good, simple life, and he was happy for the mm-hmm. most part. And it really kind of, you know, and it, and it gives you that moment of wondering of like, if he had never hooked up with these guys, if they'd never played in this band, would, you know, what would his life have been? You know, would he have been happy? And obviously the world wouldn't have been as impacted as it was by the Beatles. And you know that and what both of us have made no, no bones of the facts. We're not big Beatles fans. Yeah, no. And, um, and, but that, I was really surprised by how much I enjoyed that movie regardless.
1: Same. like it was a very like it was a movie that you could easily pick like you could blow holes through the pot the plot all day long
0: mm-hmm.
1: but if you just went in and you're like okay you know what this is gonna be like a fun movie like alternate reality like don't take it too seriously like it was an enjoyable movie
0: mm-hmm. yeah I, I i absolutely had a had a good time with it and and there's more that i want to see i didn't get to see so you rocket man you didn't enjoy
1: I didn't enjoy just because it's like a legit musical.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, wow. So, yeah, like, so they went full on. I didn't realize that.
1: Yeah, I mean, like it's like the full. Not every scene is like a musical and singing, but like I would say, like sixty percent of the movie is. Mm-hmm. And that's just not like if it's not Rocky Horror Picture Show, I, like I don't need I don't need a musical. Yeah. Um. And also, like again, like Elton John's music is not like it's not sacred to me. Sure. And this was literally a biopic, like yesterday isn't a biopic on the Beatles, but I thought the story, like if it would have just been the story of Elton John, like my heart broke at certain times in that movie for him, like things that people said to him, things like his mother said to him, Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh my God, like I couldn't even like imagine that. Yeah. Like those parts were great, but then it would be taken out by like, oh, now we're doing like a, okay, now everyone's floating.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, 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 okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Well, here's here's the thing. I don't, and and I'd like to hear from people, you know, I because I don't know of anyone that would be like Elton John's music is sacred to me.
1: I'm sure there are people that uh, are though, you know. Yeah,
0: like Elton John super fans
1: they're half steves like for sure i guess i
0: mean i just feel like he kind of is in an era he's in a place where his music has just been super well received and i don't know if it ever crossed the line into super fandom now the year that when princess diana died
1: oh my god
0: yeah yeah i was in college and there was a guy from great britain who lived on our dorm and it was interesting to see how it kind of affected him, you know. Was
1: he crushed?
0: He was he was very saddened by it. He wasn't yeah. like it wasn't like the end of the world for him, but he was he was affected by it and saddened. And when that single was released, the his his redo of Candle in the Wind from her funeral. Mm-hmm. Um that we got to the point where we had to uh say you can't play this anymore. Um <laughs> you for your own health uh it was it it was ridiculous how much he just repeated that song and but i i but that wasn't i don't think that was because it was elton john i think it was, it was because, because of the, the circumstances you know obviously he's elton john's a huge pop culture figure and you know to the point of almost being a pop culture icon i would say but i just can't imagine someone being like oh i celebrate the whole catalog crocodile rock all the way up to the one from 1995 or whatever you know um wow,
1: i can't believe you pulled that out i was gonna say to me elton john will always be the lion king soundtrack oh
0: the lion king yes exactly yeah yeah but no the lion king soundtrack's too commercial for elton john diehards oh but
2: it's so good oh i love
0: the. i know i'm just telling you what it is i'm just telling you how it goes you know how people are
1: Trust me. We're we're talking about a band tonight that that was...
0: Exactly. Well, I agree with Jess here. I agree with Jess here. I love Elton John's music, but it doesn't necessarily touch me emotionally. But I love it musically. And, I you know, obviously everyone can sing Tiny Dancer, you know, in Rocket Man. um, And everyone can sing the Lion King soundtrack. So... You know, <laughs> it's good stuff. <laughs> now, yeah, Bazaar Not a recommend. It's not a too, recommend for me. It's too bad Bazaar's had to go because he says his brother is an Elton John superfan. All right. Oh. We, we found him. There you we, go. We See, found him. We knew there'd be one. Yeah. um, Kristen, in our time away, I I don't know if this is actually the David Chang, but someone named David Chang has emailed us. Oh. Yeah. Okay. A long, Hi. Hi, David. A, yeah. Um, I, I, I'm going to imagine it's chef David Chang. Okay. So, uh, but he was, he was talking, this is going to lead me into, um, into a heartbreaking thing that I saw that I want to talk to you about that I kind of need some therapy on some rock and roll therapy. Okay. Um, he, he's talking about, he discovered our podcast and only had listened to our two Van Halen episodes, but he loved it. And uh, he says he loves looking back, geeking out, and taking deep dives into 80s rock because he doesn't have a group of friends who are into it as much as he is.
1: Well, this is the podcast for, for right. you. Yeah,
0: exactly. And so uh, he says he wanted to share some discussions about the Rolling Stone. Apparently, we'd had a discussion about their top hair metal albums. Um, the
1: Rolling Stones' top hair metal no, albums?
0: No, like the, the magazine had put out a list <sighs> of top metal albums. Okay. And, I was uh, like, what? And then he said, and Billboard's top Bon Jovi songs. So, Oh. uh, He says early... This is going to enrage me, so... Yeah. He says, early GNR and Van Halen meet my definition for hair metal bands. If you had long hair, wore tight pants, employed shredding guitar solos, and battled for stage time on the Sunset Strip in the 80s, you're a hair metal band in my book. Um, He says, I understand Rolling Stone's choice for hysteria, but Appetite for Destruction is my personal top hair metal album of all time. Uh, I was torn assembling my own personal Bon Jovi top 10 songs. There are two lists in my head. What song would I recommend for a total newbie? And which songs are my personal favorites? So here's the second list, his personal favorites. I love it. Okay. Uh, number 10, this may make you mad. The uh, Who Says You Can't Go Home with Jennifer Nettles.
1: Yeah, not for me, mm-hmm. but.
0: Uh, number nine, The Radio Saved My Life Tonight. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I
1: want okay. This okay. I'm gonna say this. This is not me being sassy. Mm-hmm. I wonder how, like how old David is. I
0: do too. Uh, David Chang. I'll have to look up his uh, his his wiki page. Um, go. It's gonna get better here. Number eight, raise your hands. Okay. Number seven, stick to your guns.
1: Oh my God! Yes. Okay. He, total redemption.
0: <laughs> you totally redeemed yourself. You
1: did
2: stick to your
0: guns. <laughs> that is a jam. <laughs> Number six, I believe. Um, I, I
1: like I Believe. I know uh, Angie, who is in the chat right now, does not like I oh, Believe. Oh, wow. I, I do like I Believe.
0: Okay, number five, greatest love song of all time, Born to Be My Baby.
1: Well, we Steve, we've had this conversation. There are plenty of Bon Jovi <laughs> songs that are the greatest, greatest love song
0: of I all know, time. I know, I
2: know, I know. I know it was coming. With that <laughs>
0: <setup there. laughs> Number four, Runaway. Uh, he says he's shocked this didn't make the top ten for Billboard. Um, you know, because Runaway, the breakout hit. Yeah. Right? so yeah you know good keyboard work on that uh number three of course living on a prayer uh number two someday i'll be saturday night oh, good song and,
1: not, not my two but good right song.
0: and number one in these arms so oh, that's such a good song yeah too.
1: not again not not in my one right but god that's a good song i mean
0: his list got better after those first two
1: it did yeah i like honestly like and it sounds so snobbish but like anything that they put out after bounce Mm -hmm. like i'm so not into and then me and angie were actually having this conversation (laughs) that like we had like re-listened to bounce recently and like that record it's not great (laughs) Mm. (laughs) (laughs) not fabulous well
0: and this leads me to a point that i want to talk about something i saw that kind of broke my heart a little bit okay I wonder if it's the same thing that I'm thinking. Probably um, not. Maybe. Well, you know, when we talk about Bon Jovi, there are a few things that come up, uh-huh. and and I'm about to take a weird left turn, so just bear with me. Okay. One Strap is, yeah, one is how disappointed we are with the fact that that John Bon Jovi and Richie Sambora have gone their separate ways and apparently will never be friends again. Uh uh-huh. um, And two is just how B- John has lost his voice. Uh, You know, it's the lost your voice. Get ready for the left turn here. The I don't I think it was on Facebook the other day. Someone posted a video of a recent white snake show.
1: Oh, I seen white snake and it was not great.
0: And it was in the still of the night of all things from Uh this particular show. And. I've never I don't know that I've ever been more sad in my life about something.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I was so disappointed in that show. That I, when I saw White Snake cause I was so stoked. Mm-hmm. It was not good.
0: It was rough.
1: Yeah. And it I was... wanted it to be, I expected it to be good. I mean, it's freaking David Coverdale.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, not um, great. no, it was, it was sad. And I was just like, what, how do I go? Because I mean, it's almost like he wasn't trying, you know,
1: <laughs> he was, he was collecting a paycheck. He
0: was like. It was like, in the still of the night, I hear the wolf howling. And I'm like, "You, this is not your voice. You're not a bass singer. Stop it. Ugh. And like, he wasn't even pushing to try to get to, in the still of the night. It's like, I understand that you don't have what you used to have. I get that. But if it's this far gone. Yeah. You know, stop.
1: I mean, Joe Elliott doesn't have what he once had. Joe Elliott is still great live.
0: Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm just saying.
0: and, and Also...
1: I- um, can I just really quickly go back to what you were saying about uh, John and Bruce not being friends anymore?
0: Yeah. You mean John okay. and Richie?
1: Yeah. yeah, who did I say? Bruce. Oh, yeah. John, John, John and Richie. <laughs> um, so there was an interview that, again, Angie brought to my attention because I'm so checked out on Bon Jovi. And I know right. she kind of is too, but this must have just like gotten in front of her. Um, John apparently said in, in an article that – He was never um, a singer that relied on the talents of his guitar player. Now, I have a problem with that. And uh, if I ever met Jon Bon Jovi, I'd tell him uh, once I got over the, oh, my God, that's Jon Bon Jovi. Um, Because, one, look at every hit record Mm -hmm. that Bon Jovi's ever written. And you will look at the names Sambora and Bon Jovi as the writing credits. Mm 2 um i never saw them in the 80s but i damn well saw them in the 2000s (laughs) and let's talk about a few things one they had the song just older and guess what the entire theme of just older was live john and richie you know being it's not old just older and we're standing here shoulder to shoulder and blood on blood same thing and that was in the 2000s okay like, I cannot stand that statement. That statement sickens me. Mm-hmm. Trying to pretend and write Richie off like he was a nobody. No, dude. Honestly, you're a nobody. And Richie jumped ship and now doesn't have to be, like, you know, tied to that Titanic shipwreck of a band.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Ugh! <laughs> it was awful. It was just I don't understand how he could say that. I don't understand how he could live with himself saying that. Like, dude, oh, I can't. Yeah. Watch the Blood on Blood video. That's all I'm saying, everybody. That's your homework. If you haven't seen the Blood on Blood video, go on YouTube. And I'm not yelling at you.
0: No, I understand.
1: <laughs> audience, I'm not yelling at you. I am just saying. Uh, we're not. So frustrating. <laughs> go on YouTube. Audience, I'm not yelling. On YouTube. Go on YouTube. And uh, type in Bon Jovi blood on blood and watch that music video. uh, And you tell me if uh, they don't, if John Bon Jovi doesn't rely on the talents of of his guitar player. And also when John couldn't sing, guess who sang a bunch of songs for him all the time? Richie. And guess who has a better voice? Richie. I'm done.
0: (laughs) Audience, I'm not mad at you. I just, I want you to know it's not you. It's...
1: we got Steve where they're like, Chris acts like the smartest person in the room. It's really off-putting. So I'm not yelling at the audience. Well I'm look, yelling at Sean bon
0: On this podcast, you are the smartest person in the room. Oh my god. In, no, a, I'm not, in but... a room where in a room where two people are sitting down talking about the music, you're the smartest <laughs> person in the room. Oh my so god. That's so that's all I'm saying. And by the way, before we move forward. Uh, we are now at twenty seven thirty five of our five thousand dollar goal. We have since we started this show, we've gone up. Uh, I don't, I can't do that math. Eighty five dollars, I think. Ninety. All right. Yeah. It's so, gotten... so think... also
1: really quick, Steve. Before <coughs> mm-hmm. we get into anything else, can I? I just want to say yes. on the podcast mm-hmm. um, that since we. Since our last podcast so yeah. in like 2018, mm-hmm. I just want to say I've consistently gotten messages and tweets and DMs from people talking about how much they love Rock Out Loud mm-hmm. um, and like asking me if it was coming back and that they miss it. And like, I just want to say to all those people and what was, who was, I'm bad with names. Who was the email you just read? David?
0: David Chang. The David Chang. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, like, David, for emailing, like, I just want to say, like, you guys are all incredible, and girls are all incredible. Like, you've always reached out and been like, yo, when is this happening? Like, I miss you so much. I miss you guys so much. I miss this podcast. I miss the banter. So, love you guys. Also, I want to give a shout-out. You know me. I don't usually do shout-outs. But I would like to give a shout-out to freaking Jamie from Orkney, Scotland, okay? All right. That kid kills it on his Instagram and I like stalk his life and it's probably like super weird to his friends because like I'm 30 and he's a teenager. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He listens to this podcast and wrote in and he recently went down to Glasgow. He met Luke Spiller like I I love I think that's so cool and amazing. And I just want to say Jamie keep it up keep playing guitar you rock. Maybe one day when I am in Scotland, we will be in somewhat of the same area. That's all I'm saying.
0: Nice. All right. Well, there you go. Um. I mean, I've also
1: I don't mean for that to sound creepy. I just mean I think the kid is awesome.
0: <laughs> I uh, I don't want to say I I don't want to put anything out there, and I don't want to speak for Kristen here. Um, but I'm sitting here looking at. Well, I tell you what, I am. I'm I'm looking at a Marvel journal that has some um show ideas in there
1: <laughs> from like back in the day sure
0: that we never did <laughs> we had a lot and i, and I want to quote matthew hardinger who also has emailed in in the past you know six months seven months says i started i just started listening i geek out to rock history we need to respect and appreciate that music more than ever yes. i found you just by searching podcasts and was thrilled to see some folks focusing on a favorite subject Mm hmm. So there you go.
1: Love you guys.
0: Yep. <laughs> so Dylan, Dylan, Maca, Maca McManus. My you know, guy. Yeah. All I kinds of people. All the time. So again, look, let's not. Here's what I don't want to do. It, on Disney Vault Talk, Teresa really just put it out there. Hey, in two weeks, we're doing another show. I'm just going to say this, that I love doing this show. I do, too. And and, and 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 I have been very open on, on the other shows about why things have fallen by the wayside and, and, and that sort of thing. I've been very clear whose shoulders that's on. It's on my shoulders. And so I'm just saying that I'm all about jamming out. And so when we can, I'd like to.
1: Hey, I work a regular Monday through Friday 9 to 5 schedule now, so... Let's roll. All right.
0: There we go. All right. You hear it here, folks. It this is this is what the Golaverse marathon does.
1: <laughs> it resurrects people it's, from the dead. It's
0: magic. Well, let's
1: not go that far. It is uh, I, I mean, it's about to <laughs>
0: Well, I know, but especially considering the subject matter. Let's not let <laughs> the goal of the marathon. Oh my God. See,
1: I mean, you know me. Yeah. I'm this is death and destruction.
0: I understand. I understand. So the Joker. I, look, I know this in Geek Out Loud. I know we've got stuff to talk about.
1: Yo, I loved it so much.
0: Yeah? I saw it like eight times. Wow. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> I loved it so much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so good. And you know what? Haters, like, come at me. It's fine. Whatever. Now- I freaking loved it. And, like... The, the first time I saw it, mm-hmm. I was literally clutching my chair because I was so anxious.
0: It It's very, it is it does a good job of like, what's he about to do? Is he about to do it now? Oh, he's laughing. What does that mean? You know, like, it's, yeah.
1: And Joaquin Phoenix, like, y'all, we're doing this on February 8th. Tomorrow night is the Oscars. And I swear to God, when they call him up for his Oscar, they better announce him as Joker. <laughs> God, he's so good.
0: He did it. He,
1: and I was not a believer. I was like, he's too old. Mm-hmm. Not a believer. Okay, yeah. and you know what? Shut me right up, cause the dude was great
0: for that version of the Joker. Yeah, I mean, like it obviously, you know, you're not playing into the overall whatever they've done with that DC universe over there. But like, as an origin story for a character, for you know, for a villain, you know, that has this. Cult following throughout comics and and fandom, um, I I thought it was okay for what it was. I I was I don't think I was as enamored with it as you were, but I also don't like like the focus to be on my supervillains. I like it to be on the the heroes, you know.
1: Yeah, see, um, that's why like it works because you and I are just opposite ends of that coin.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm like
1: the bad guys are great.
0: But what are, I mean, what are people here's I guess, and also, I don't really travel in the circles anymore of worrying about what people say or any stuff. Like, I don't go seek out reviews and, and I try not to let them come to my door. Um, <laughs> what are people saying that don't like it?
1: Well, I mean, like, I've read because I tell I don't know why, man, but this movie just resonated with me. Yeah, so when I was reading reviews of people saying this is a movie for white men, I'm like, last time i checked i am definitely not a white man (laughs) i'm like obsessed with this film yeah um but i mean like the people like just from the people that i have seen it with like Mm -hmm. people just say like it's too raw it's too real Mm. like i know like when my dad saw it my dad was like that was the darkest movie i've ever seen and i'm like dad did you watch you watch the trailers though so like Mm -hmm. You you knew it wasn't gonna be like a jovial, happy-go-lucky, like quirky Jack Nicholson joker. So right. I don't know what you were looking for. Right. Um and then of course people are like, you know, it glorifies violence. But I mean, maybe I'm like super desensitized, I don't know. But like I did not think that it was a very violent movie. Did I think it was an emotionally heavy movie? yes Mm -hmm. but in terms of glorifying violence i thought every time that that gun was on the screen like the tension was at an all-time high Mm -hmm. like you were just like oh like what is about to happen oh my god oh my god don't don't touch the gun oh my like the entire time like you cringe when you see that thing
0: i i thought it did an outstanding job of showing you from the get-go just how um how off-center he is emotionally and mentally and that's what played into all the tension that you're talking about, of course, especially as things begin to spiral down and go wrong for him. Yes. You know, and then you add in an emotionally and a mentally compromised, you know, figure in his life that he looks up to and believes everything, you know, and, and the stuff that he thinks he finds out that has never really proven true or false. You know what I mean? Nope. Like. Other you than take what you want. Right. He I mean, granted, he sees some some documents, but knowing knowing who those documents absolve of something, uh-huh. you know, really kind of still everything stays in question. Exactly. And and even the very end, it's like is what is real? You know, yeah. And, and I think that's one of the things I, I don't think it glorified violence in any way. If anything, I think it's shown a light on the need to make sure that this kind of stuff doesn't happen by giving proper care to those who are in places mentally and emotionally like that.
1: Yep, give proper care, like have empathy for people, like don't treat people like garbage. Like mm-hmm. I don't just be a semi decent person. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, like, obviously, I know that this is Rock Out Loud. Um, tying the music into it. Like, I love the use of music in that movie. Not just the score. Like, the score's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, But, like, the songs that they chose. Like, I loved, you know, That's Life. And I loved Rock and Roll Part 2. Mm-hmm. Like... I thought, like, White Room, I thought it was all very well done. And, like, I have gone down a uh, YouTube rabbit hole many a night of watching, <laughs> like, Joker, like, fan videos. Yeah. And, like, they, someone did a video, again, if you would like to YouTube it, <laughs> if you like Joker. Um, somebody did a video of Joker scenes to My Way by Frank Sinatra. And it Ooh. made me be like, why was it My Way Ooh. used in this movie?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That was great. Also, I mean, one of the songs we're going to talk about tonight, I was going to bring it up, and I can still bring it up at the time, but now that, like, when I hear it now, all I can think of is, wow, this is a perfect song for Joker.
0: Nice. Well, (laughs) yeah. Well, I mean, look, I guess I watched it just for the first time just the other night. I rented it on iTunes because I didn't get to go to the theater and see it. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't get to make it out to the theater and see it, and I'd heard so many people say... It's so dark. It's one of the darkest things I've ever seen. It's one and so I was really braced for this is going to be brutal. And I don't I don't think that's the case. I mean, obviously it is dark. It is not, as you said, it's not the dancing, cackling, laughing Jack Nicholson joker. And it's not even the smart elicky, you know, almost kind of cool Heath Ledger joker.
1: Yeah, it's not agent of chaos. Right.
0: It's it but is. But
1: I can see how that because like how he Joker, becomes Lockie that. Joker becomes that. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yes. yes. And I was very surprised at the tie-in to the Batman stuff, Me um, too. the the origin of, of of Batman and everything, and um, and I really like, you know, the the concept of. Here's where this person comes from, and you know, and and because he's never, you know, and and the only thing that I think, and this is me as a comic book fan, that they could have done a little bit better is I would have liked to seen him, kind of, seem a little smarter, and and the more confidence yes. that he got, the more he kind of descended into, being decisive about what he was doing he did seem a little smarter. You know, like he did seem to have a little bit more intelligence about him. And and you kind of get the idea that he was stifled because of his emotional stuff, because of his lack of confidence and everything. And so that was kind of interesting to me to see that. But I would have liked to seen just a little bit higher level of intelligence or seemingly higher, higher level intelligence from him. But man, out, outside of that, I, I didn't have a problem with the movie at all, to be honest with you. Other than, would I recommend it to like, you know, you know, family like my kid really wants to see a good comic book movie. Oh, go get the Joker. No, of course yeah, not. No. <laughs> of course not. You know, but if you want to, you know, it, I feel like it's, it's just a, it's a good take and it's a good, almost experimental type film to play around in some of these, in, with some of these characters in these worlds, you know? Yeah. And, I uh, loved it. Yeah. Also,
1: can I say, so it's the last thing I'll say about Joker and then we can mm-hmm. move on. <laughs> Cause again, I know it's not, you guys aren't a Joker podcast, but <laughs> Um, when I, so I know you said you just saw it recently. I went to see it the day it came out. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And when I went there, because you know, there was the whole thing of like, it's going to cause mass shootings and Mm -hmm. all this stuff. Yeah. Um, the day I went there, there were, and I live like, I live at the shore. It's a small town during, you know, the winter time. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: (laughs) So there were a ton of police at the theater you had to show your I.D. before they even sold you tickets mm. like it was the weirdest theater experience I've ever been in, not because I felt unsafe, but because it was just I felt like I'm like, this is literally what this is the, the society we live in now. Like people can just create this narrative and all of a sudden, like in a small town, there's, you know, 15 cops
2: mm-hmm.
1: that are waiting around in the theater in case something goes wrong. Like it's just it was very strange but and then every every other time I saw it after that I didn't need I, I didn't go through that
0: but right. well I also I mean I look at that and I under I guess on one hand I understand why people would say that based on the direction everything takes but the, you're also talking about a, a fictional city that was basically a powder keg just needing someone to light the fuse yeah and and and
1: honestly it's like the people that have the I feel like the people that have the biggest problem with it for stuff like that it's like well you see in our society shades of that and Mm -hmm. you don't like what you see
0: yeah and that's what's so strange to me is like you know you would think someone like me would look at that and say say oh this is gonna just cause things you know but i look at i'm like no this is not this you know i mean how many okay so okay let's not this is not a joker podcast we won't get into that (laughs)
1: Our spinoff, we're just gonna Joker.
0: Podcast. That's right. We, we we can do Joker minute by minute and just <laughs> watch
1: along, party everybody. There okay. you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and everybody,
0: one, two, play. We're what we're doing here, and if you're listening to this uh, after it's been uploaded, we'd encourage you to head over to geekoutonline.com/cure and donate to Cure. This is all part of the marathon for Cure Childhood Cancer. We do this every year. And uh, we are looking to raise $5,000 this year. Right now we're up to 2745 has been raised. And so that gives us just a little over 2000 and, let's see, 2255 to go to hit our $5,000 mark. And this will be up for a week after the initial uh, live recording of this. It's happening on February 8th, 2020. And uh, so if you're willing to do so, if you're listening live and you hadn't donated yet, please go head over and donate. And one of the things we're doing this year if you donate, uh, we've put together some little geek care packages for you. Um, they I have some stickers from Geek Out Loud, the flagship podcast of the of the podcast network uh, that we're part of here, and we're going to be giving. We have some little comics to slip into these things, maybe some trading cards, some non sports trading cards, just some little things to kind of give you a little geek juice, you know, love there, and and you can. You know, just maybe fire up some nostalgia, might actually turn you on to something you haven't really seen before, you know, might be something neat, you may be crafty and you're like, hey, I can make a make a collage out of this, make a poster out or so I don't know, you know, I don't know what you want to do with this stuff, but it's yours to do with as you please and it's our way of saying thank you um, for being a part of this marathon and, uh, and that's at com slash cure. If you want to know more about cure, head over to curechildhoodcancer.org. When Kristen reached out to me and said, uh, gave a suggestion for doing a show tonight and, and, and what it would be about, uh, she knew she was treading on some uncharted territory with me. Because and thin ice. Uh, thin ice as well. Because I, not, I don't want to say thin ice because that makes sound like you'd be in trouble. But also, she didn't know exactly how to receive this concept and this idea. Um, over the past, when we've talked about the music we love, we kind of try to stay where both of our in our Venn diagrams crossover, you know, in the stuff that we, we enjoy. And, and Kristen also, <laughs> it also is still the other day I was do I was actually in the middle of doing the big honkin' show and mm-hmm. Kristen was texting me and she said, have you checked out dirty honey? Oh yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so I immediately fi- fired up. I'm, I'm live on the air. I'm like, I just got a suggestion to check out this group called dirty honey. And um and I hit their song When I'm Gone and I just start jamming to it and I'm like, "Well, this will make the rotation." And I absolutely love it. I'm putting them just I'm just over the moon putting them over to Christian she's like, "I still know what 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 bands you'll love." Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I was proud. I was like, "Oh, I know Steve will love Dirty Honey." Uh, and I did. And so um and but she also knows where my wheelhouse kind of ends. And and honestly, it's it's with bands a lot of bands that came up in the in the mid to late 90s, you know, outside of like my chemical uh not my uh, outside of Matchbox 20 and then we'll o- and then on into the 2000s, you know, as you got in those early 2000s, some of the music that began to develop and stuff, I just wasn't into and and never kind of revisited and actually uh I was guilty of being one of those people who would kind of ridicule it a little bit. And and we'll talk about that as we are going to discuss tonight. My, Drum roll, the, the Black Parade uh, by My Chemical Romance. The album, The Black Parade by My Chemical Romance. Kristen, My Chemical Romance (MCR) is one of your favorite bands. Yes, and you were telling me off air that this is a group that you. This is not something that someone had introduced you to necessarily. This was not an. This was not an eighties band that you know you grew up listening to with your aunt or anything. This was something that you found kind of for yourself.
1: So, like, literally, I think I might have told the story on the podcast before, but it's been a few years, so That's let's right. just talk about it again. That's right. <laughs> so, like, I logged onto MySpace one day after school, and there was a like ad on MySpace that said, local artists in your area. And it had, like, a handful of bands. And honestly, I can't even tell you the other ones that were on the list, because <laughs> the first one that came up with a picture next to them was band called my chemical romance Mm -hmm. and it said belleville new jersey and i was like i have no idea where belleville is but they look cool so i clicked on it and the first song that i ever heard by my chemical romance was a song off their first record called skylines and turnstiles and i was hooked the second record had just come out There was a like promotional video for I'm Not Okay. It wasn't even the version that like everybody knew about. So it was like I got into this band when I was like, you know, 13 years old that was just starting to like bubble up, that was just starting to like, ooh, like I like, I like this. I love how they look. I like their aesthetic. The music's really cool. It's really different. It's not like anything I listen to. And I feel like. I feel like this is speaking to me. So then, of course, like that night, I was like, "Dad, we gotta go to Best Buy," and <laughs> we got we got their records. Um, and it's like been all downhill from there, mm-hmm. <laughs> or uphill depending how you look at it.
0: Yeah, it just yeah. <laughs> it, it which one's positive? Um, the so this was two thousand three. You say,
1: yeah. Okay, two thousand three, two thousand four. Like late two thousand three, yeah. early two thousand
0: four. And and by this time, I'm at a point in life where I've decided here's the music I like, and I don't need any more new music in my life. I don't need and also it was like there is a there's a line of demarcation in most people's lives, and I guess I'm most people. I guess I'm just a normie like this, where <laughs> you know, you kind of you've gone through the phase where your taste in arts and stuff have developed, and they've just like, all right, this is it, and this is, and for most people, there's about a ten to fifteen year window in their lives where the stuff they hear, the stuff they take in, the the, the media they consume, and it becomes so important to them that it kind of it becomes part of their fabric of who they are, mm-hmm. and and by the time you get to two thousand three, two thousand four, I'm just past that. And and so what I'm hearing on the radio and what I'm seeing on, you know, maybe MTV or whatever the case may be, to me I look at it and I'm like this is not my style. In fact, when I first heard anything by My Chemical Romance, I actually thought, well this sounds like kind of like punk to me and I don't really care for punk. And <laughs> that's how I mean that's just how kind of out of touch I am with the situation.
1: I mean that like they early, like Bullets, is mm-hmm. very punky. Like, it's definitely, yeah. like, if somebody was like, oh, that's a punk band, I wouldn't be like, you're wrong. I'd be like, yeah, they're definitely heavily influenced by it.
0: But then along comes this whole emo thing.
2: <sighs>
0: and- yeah. <laughs> and, and you can't tell if that's wistful or disappointment on <laughs> Kristen. I mean, Ward- it,
1: was, it was honestly, like, what a time to be alive. Like, me and my best friend, Andrea, we always, always say, like, if we couldn't have grown up as teenagers in the '80s, man, are we happy that we got to be teenagers
0: during the 2000s <laughs> emo phase? And and as I'm sitting back looking at this, I'm like, what have you got to be so emo about? Come on, guys, you live in America, greatest country in the world, America. You know, I, I no, seriously though, I it was just one of those things. It's like, you know, it, it was emo goth? Was goth emo? Were they two separate things? You know, did they go and have like gang wars? You know. You, <laughs> you're just sitting back looking and all you know all you saw was like heavy eye makeup and black and you're just like oh come on this is ridiculous oh
1: i feel so attacked right now i am in black and have heavy eye makeup on well
0: all right and well you're fitting the role tonight but no here here's what i'm saying is like at that point in my life as a very young adult in my mid-20s entering into my late 20s um you know, I like I say, I had decided this is what I like, this is what I don't like, and I don't want to add anything and I don't want to give really anything else a chance. Meanwhile, um, you know, I'm like, nickelback sounds pretty good, I guess. Oh my god. Well so here so look, here's the thing. You
1: no, know, you already admitted you like creed, Steve. <laughs> Stop digging the hole. Like I don't well, know
0: why you're doing this. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you. Be- oh. because as that's happening, you know, I am missing some of the, and and as I listened to this album, after you pointed me in the right direction toward it to get ready and kind of see if I re- actually want to talk this with you, I'm just going to say this though. This is not my jam necessarily. I'm going to say that what I missed out on by not paying attention to this stuff, by writing it off was real artistry and, and thought that went into something in the same vein of, uh, you know, almost some of the, some of the albums from, you know, a bygone era where yes. you had people doing, and now I can't think of the name, the, the word I'm looking for, Um, not experimental albums, you know, but like concept? A, concept albums. Like, yeah, you know, and, and so that's kind of what, you know, I'm looking at and in, in, in hearing in this, I'm like, okay, especially when you kind of revealed to me the backstory of what's going on in this thing. Uh And so, and so what that, you know, now with a bit more mature ear, a bit more mature mindset toward things, I'm able to look and say, is this something I'm going to put in in jam to all the time? No. But is this something that I can appreciate, which I think is just as important as, you know, anything? Yes. You know, this is, I think that, that what these guys brought to the table, and I've heard an interview or two with Gerard Way, Mm -hmm. I, I think that they, you know, that People like me wrote them off, whether it's because of the fans in some instances, you know, or what we, let me say this, because of our perception of fans, because of our perception of them, we would tend to write, people like me would tend to write a group like this off and not give them a chance and not hear what they had to say.
1: Well, that's why I suggested this album. I mean, like, obviously, I mean, I don't know if you're going to, like, get into the fact that they've reunited.
0: Um, oh, no, I definitely we're going to get there.
1: Okay, so, um, so you know, obviously there's that, but, and that's why, you know, I was pushing for my chem, but, like, this record, have we said what record we're doing?
0: Yeah, the, uh, yeah we did, The Black Parade. Okay.
1: <laughs> so the reason why I was like, The Black Parade is because, There are a lot of people that don't like My Chemical Romance and don't like this genre, but they like this record because it's a concept record. It is very, very 70s, Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust, Night at the Opera, The Wall. Like, it's very that era. So it gives people a touchstone into something that they've loved in the past Mm -hmm. and, like, a fresh take on it. And like I said, like you might not like my chemical romance, but a lot of people appreciate this record. I mean, this band has sold eight million records worldwide, and four million of that is the Black Parade.
0: Wow. Yes. Yeah. And 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 they are coming back. And and I was, you were very surprised at the rate at which their shows sold out.
1: I mean. I I don't know that I was surprised because I knew that they were going to sell out. Um, I just, uh, I mean, they've sold out four nights at Milton Keynes in, like, right outside of London, which is a soccer stadium. So it's probably, like, upwards of 80,000 people in Mm -hmm. the arena or in the stadium. Mm -hmm. And then in the U.S. alone, they are playing arenas and they have sold what is it? Two hundred and twenty-eight thousand six hundred tickets. Well. Wow. They sold those tickets in under six hours. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to two shows.
0: That's that's WrestleMania numbers.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely mind-boggling. Like I said to you off the air, off air, like. This band is bigger than they've ever been, and this record is bigger than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. And as someone that has gone through this record in real time with the band, and gone through the ups and downs of this band in real time when, th- when they were happening... That statement is so true. This band is huge now. They have this mythic lore about them that was not there 12 years ago when they yeah. broke up. Yep. The last time I saw My Chemical Romance, I had an extra ticket. It was a show at Starland Ballroom, which is a small venue. Mm-hmm. And guess what? I couldn't give it away for free. Hmm. But now you have all these people that are like, oh my god, like I love My Chemical Romance. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, where were you when I had a free ticket? You told me no. You said I don't like them. What?
0: Yeah. Well, that but Sometimes that's just call people out. but that's the nature of some of the some art, right? The stuff that lasts, a lot of times it has to, you know, they they go away and they have to kind of be gone for people to kind of find, discover, and realize that they do like this stuff, and more than that, they're moved by this stuff, and and that seems to be what's happened in their absence, from I mean, uh, their absence from making new music and touring and stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, like one of, I mean, there was a lot of reasons behind why they broke up, but one of them that they constantly like kind of went back to was it like they didn't really see anything past black parade for themselves. Like they didn't feel like that they had anything to say. Yeah. So, and like, there have been like interviews with Gerard where he has said like the world doesn't need my chemical romance anymore. And it's like, no. And I think this just shows like, no, the world desperately needs my chemical romance. And like, We'll get into it because, I mean, I know that this is not Geek Out Loud, but y'all, I'm going to geek out so hard tonight (laughs) on this band. Like, we will talk about why the world needs my chemical romance tonight. All
0: right. Well, let's get into the album proper. Um, This album is, we mentioned a concept album, and the concept is very fitting for this marathon, a marathon where we're raising money for Cure, Uh, whose mission is to eradicate childhood cancer in this generation. Uh, This is an album that basically is following someone who gets a cancer diagnosis from, is it from diagnosis till the end?
1: Uh Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, so. (laughs) And thereafter. And thereafter, yeah, okay. And the afterlife. And the afterlife. So we're going to uh, we're going we're gonna go through this. The album actually begins with the end. That's the first track on this album, and uh, and so let's jump into it and give it a little bit of a listen here.
3: usion my funeral jag here's my resignation i'll serve it in drag you've got front row seats to the penitence by when i grow up i want to be
0: so a very short little ditty almost a prologue to, to what's happening here in the south from
1: Yes, this is basically, I mean, My Chemical Romance has never, like, explicitly come out and, like, explained, like, what where each song, like, how it ties into the concept, but, like, this song is essentially, like, the patient, who's the main character, like, starting to think about, like, feeling ill, like, you know, feeling that something's off, and, like, that, like, that mentality of, like, oh, like, something might be wrong creeping into his brain
2: yeah
1: and it is like it's inspired by i forget the name of the song exactly but it's inspired by a pink floyd song that is very very similar like it's a short song it's very bombastic it is the first song on the record and like honestly (laughs) again me and my best friend andrea (laughs) play this song at my (laughs) funeral everybody
2: (laughs) oh lord like
1: it's just, it's so powerful. Like when that note hits, like when those drums kick in, like I think this song sets such a good, like, precedent or like not precedent, like it sets such a good, like, statement of like, this is what this record is going to be. Like, you know what is in store for you from this, like, two minute song. Mm-hmm. And I think for Concept Record, that's big.
0: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to find what Pink Floyd song. Did.
1: I do what it is. It's something with a P. It might be like pig something. Okay. Yeah. Well, pigs. Maybe it is pigs.
0: Maybe. <laughs> maybe it's pigs. Maybe. Maybe it's not.
1: Oh, wait. Maybe. Not. No, there's a song called Pink Floyd. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Well, the group is Pink Floyd. Yeah. And I was, I'm trying to see if, uh, if I can kind of, I, I, my powers of Google Foo failed me real quickly as you were talking there so but look the fact here's the thing and that's one of the things that as you kind of dig into this album and these guys and you hear kind of who their influences are you know a pink floyd is is not a bad influence to have you know for someone who likes the classic rock stuff or someone who uh who who fancies himself a bit of a you know who enjoys those radio stations and and though may not listen to the wall all the time but still knows it you know you you're like okay i can get into this money yeah okay great there's this is about that's perfect you know and so again the idea for me my journey with this is my respect for a, a band that i had given nothing to kind of increases a little bit
2: that's big yeah
1: well and the thing too is like if you so okay if you listen to even just the record that came right before this three cheers to sweet revenge like if you listen to that record and have that transition right into the black parade like it's such a giant leap Mm -hmm. and it's so different like i remember when this record came out um, I was telling Steve off air, like, there was not a ton of fanfare about this record before it came out. Like, they didn't really say, like, you know, we're releasing it on this day. But the record leaked, and it leaked, like, a month and a half before it actually came out. And uh, I, I got the leak because I'm a psychotic Mike Hem fan. <laughs> And I downloaded it and listened to every single song all the time, all the time, all the time. And there were people, like, you can go back online and look at comments from when this record came out. And people say, like, this record isn't going to age well. They just literally committed career suicide. What are they thinking? This is not my chem. Like, this was a very polarizing record. For the existing fan base, which is why it's so crazy to me that this is like their most revered, beloved record, because amongst existing My Chem fans, this was not a great choice. Or like this was like, what? What are? What is happening to my band? And because it's so polished, it's so produced. Like you, like you'll hear as we go through. Like this record is produced to, within an inch of its life. Mm. Um, and like I went to, they did a um they did a record release show in Jersey and I went to it and I, I have a box next to me. That's like filled with like all the stuff that I've gotten at shows. And I'm looking at my patient bracelet that I got at the show. (laughs) I still have it. Uh, Bury me with that. Thank you so much. Um, But like when they did that show, they were hanging out in the record store beforehand. And I walked up to the guitar player and I was like, thank you for not doing three cheers part two. Like, I think this record is amazing like and he said he was like thank you so much she's like yeah you know it's been kind of a mixed bag Mm. and i'm like uh yeah that's what i'm that's what i'm hearing i'm like but like i love it and i think it takes i think it takes a lot of guts to do that because you guys could have just done three cheers part two (laughs) but you didn't
0: how old and thank you now how old were you talking to this guy like this
1: 16. (laughs) But at that point I had seen them so many times right. Like four Well I would say three out of the five Members in my chem mm-hmm. Like if I walked up to them They'd be like oh my god how have you been Like that's how much I saw them and met them Wow So like I i remember Again I told the lead singer like we're not At, we're not at my favorite song on this record yet mm-hmm. But I said to him I was like I never thought I would love a song more Than I love Demolition Lovers mm. And then I heard Blank, I won't spoil it. Okay. But then I heard Blank, and he laughed and was like, "That's your favorite song on the record." And I was like, "Absolutely yes." And then they played it that night. And then I met him after that show, like literally that night. And he he just goes, "We played your song for you." I was like, "You did play my song,
0: world (laughs) premiere, yes." Wow, that's fantastic. Look look at Mm -hmm. you and the life you've led. You're like (laughs) you're almost like the Forrest Gump of rock and roll music. It's when
1: you're a teenager and this band is from your state yeah <laughs> you get a lot of opportunity there you go and you also have a dad that's like yeah sure but you want to wait till three and in- okay well, wait till three in the morning
0: <laughs> <laughs> thanks dad yep thanks dad
1: <laughs> and then as soon as i could drive he was like bye i'm not going
0: <laughs> have fun kid
1: yeah Oh, you wait! Oh, you're gonna stay there till three in the morning. Okay, text me when you're coming home.
0: Hmm. <laughs> well, I, and I want to say as we move on here, th- obviously on this album there is there you know we may run into some language in these songs and everything. Um, as y'all know, we d- we record everything live, so th- it's hard to kind of produce some stuff out um, in the way and the means by which I'm playing these songs. We may run into some language. Y'all know that we try not to use too much language and stuff, so. Just uh, bear with us and forgive us. We're not trying to offend or be offensive. Um,
1: I think we'll be okay, except one song.
0: Right. So here we go. This is uh, second track. So we started with the end, and now we're dead. Track number two is just dead. Happy times here on the Black Parade. Did they do the Did they do the Woody Woodpecker laugh on the guitar there?
1: They did. Oh, <laughs> w- hold on. Have you read anything about this record, or did you just pull that out?
0: I just heard it. Yes. <laughs> he went dunnie.
1: That's exactly what they did. Are you they serious? Were, yes, they were watching cartoons while writing the record, and they thought that that would be cool to put into the guitar
0: solo. <laughs> Had no idea.
1: Ah, see Steve, they're geeks. Like they are total nerds. Well,
0: I know Gerard has his deal with DC comics. He runs the imprint for them. Yep. Um and I knew something like that. I'd heard him on a Kevin Smith show a while back. This has been several years ago he was on. I think yeah, it was, that was right. This like as a was,
1: four hour podcast. Well,
0: anything with Kevin Smith is gonna be that way, but I think he was actually just kind of stepping into that role with DC at the time. And so mm-hmm. it was yeah, so I mean I immediately kind of I think that softened me to them when I heard that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I definitely, when I heard that, I'm like, did they just stick the Woody Woodpecker laugh in a song called dead?
1: (laughs) Yep. And like in this song too, like right before, like we came in, like, this is kind of a song that is like the conversation with the doctor where the doctor like tells you like, uh, we, you have a problem. (laughs) Hmm. So like Gerard does this like doctor voice like in my honest observation during this this operation found a complication in your heart. So now you've got baby just 2 weeks to live like it's co- it's laying out the story of the main character hmm. in this in this album Mm -hmm. and it's showing you like that theatricality because we're going to hit different characters here and gerard actually sings in like a different vocal tone Mm -hmm. when he's singing the doctor's voice Mm.
0: but then they i mean that guitar solo was shredding man that was i
1: know that is like a huge thing on this record is that like ray toro is a guitar god everybody um, and that is also why I specifically pick certain points on these songs because they are like coming into or like just coming out of the guitar solo. Yeah. And I know if if nothing else, Steve, you would appreciate <laughs> the guitar on this record because <laughs> it's no joke.
0: Right. Well, I, that one was like, I was really digging that, you know, when I heard it, I'm like, this is pretty cool. But now it wasn't until just then that I caught the Woody Woodpecker thing. And cause I listened to it. Like I told you, I listened to this one time. I listened through one time just to kind of see, because I didn't want to be fake and sit here and be like, "Yeah, I love it, Kristen. Tell me more." You know, I wanted to be able to, you know, <laughs> do
1: the whole podcast by yourself, Kristen.
0: Right. Yeah, go ahead, Kristen. You got this. Yay! Hooray. Um I just, you know, but I wanted to kind of be able to at least be prepared for what I was going to hear. And and I when I heard that, I'm like, "Man, what's a good that's some good guitar playing." But then just then I was I heard it and I'm like, "Did he just do the woody woodpecker laugh?" And I, I like, I'm going to ask this. When I'm listening, I'm like, I'm going to ask Kristen if he did the Woody Woodpecker laugh.
1: That literally didn't come out until like years after the record was made either. Like, that's not something that people caught on to. And that's why I was like, did you read that, Steve?
0: No, not at all. Like, I just, Kristen, this is Steve. I did cartoons all my life. I know. <laughs> I'm just, I'm very impressed. <laughs> so, so this is the, so the diagnosis, he gets the diagnosis and he's good as dead. And that's, hence the name of the tune is dead. But it's got this upbeat feel to it, which seems to be.
1: Well, the entire kind of thing with this song, like, like I said, like they've never said like here is exactly the concept, Mm -hmm. but like a widely regarded, like part of this character, the patient is that like this person is wildly self-destructive. So like they hear that they're going to die, but they're just kind of like, well, whatever. Like, I'm just going to, I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing because, um, I'm gonna die mm-hmm. so it's this like well whatever like I can't be bogged down by it and then again as as we go through the record they start to have like realizations and meet different characters where and I know this sounds like so nerdy like I'm listening to myself talk I'm like this sounds so ridiculous <laughs> but like they eventually or They eventually become scared they eventually see that they treated their loved ones like garbage and regret that so it's, it's a growing process. We're going on a journey with mm-hmm. my chemical romance.
0: Well, I mean, in, that's a, in a situation like this, it's, it's, I feel like it's an honest journey. So, um, as we move forward on this journey, we move from dead into this is how I disappear. Almost like a Jedi thing. They were dead and they disappeared. But that's me being a geek. So, here we go. This kind of feels like the anger part of the grieving process.
1: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and just like again, like that realization starting to come into it, where it's like I can't hurt you anymore. Like mm-hmm. kind of talking to your the people in your life and telling them, like, okay, yeah, it's not looking not looking great right now. Yeah, um, and I I just love. I love his vocals on this song. Like his vocals are great on this record, but I think certain songs really showcase like his range mm-hmm. and how much he worked on his voice Yeah, as a singer. Because uh, when you see My Chemical Romance in 2004, that vocal performance is very different than this.
0: Well, also you, you mentioned earlier the production on this and how it was produced so heavily there are effects on his voice here that you can hear. Yes, Um, You know, there, there are little things that are happening. The mix, he, he, with the portion that we heard there, and it could just be, you know, it could be my headphones or whatever. I don't know, but it sounds like he's also getting a little lost in the mix of the music, you know, but then there's that, there's the effects as he's getting lost in the music. So you can tell that there's some artistic things happening just in the production aspect of this as well
1: and like that that's the thing with this band like that i and this is why i think honestly and th- i i'm obviously a huge my chem fan okay like no secrets mm-hmm. but that this is why i think that my chem is the most important band to come out of this genre of music and why they're kind of bigger than any band that's come out of this genre of music is because they they literally Like, pay attention to detail is an understatement. Like, they thought of everything. Like, they think of, okay, you know what? On this part, we're going to have Gerard's... We're going to have the guitars take over Gerard's vocals. Or we're going to have this particular inflection on this word. Or, oh, our video is going to look like this, and our clothes are going to look like this. They think of everything. They're meticulous. And I think that's why their fans appreciate them because they're not just throwing on a pair of jeans and going out and playing. Like Mm -hmm. everything is very thought through um, while still keeping some level of spontaneity and like that punk attitude um, that they kind of came up with, you Mm -hmm. know, like, yes, the record is, like I said, it's produced within an inch of its life, but there's something still edgy about this record too. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Well it it also th- this is definitely also of its era um with this this type of music that 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 they're playing and i think that's that's one of the things again that i that i heard when i was listening to them like i can tell this is from around this time from this early 2000s era and i can tell that it was over in this genre of music um better than the pop stuff that was being thrown out for sure you know? Um but then as you begin to actually pay attention and listen, like here's the thing. When you when when you label something emo, you know, in my mind back then and even to this day, if something gets labeled emo, it's almost navel gazing, um just self uh self loathing, woe is me, all this kind of stuff. These this concept and in, in these songs that, that we go through here Actually, they seem they transcend someone's self. Yes. You know what I mean? Like the, 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 this, this moves from just kind of looking inwardly and being selfish about things to looking outwardly and trying to kind of touch on the human condition in one very specific place of the human condition. But, mm-hmm. you know, what is more human than coming to the end of one's life or facing one's own mortality? Yep. We're all going to get there. And so this, this ends up then addressing that portion of the human condition in a, in a very, in in an accessible way, you know, especially when you consider the fan base they have and that sort of thing. Um, And so I feel like, and I'm just saying this, I feel like that I definitely know that at the time I unjustly passed judgment on a group that I knew very little about. And
1: I think a lot of people did. I mean, You had in the UK, like, the Guardian newspaper say that My Chemical Romance and their fans were in a death cult. Wow. I think a a lot when it's like, that's literally the opposite of what the message of this record is.
0: And see, and I never thought anything like that. My thing was just like, oh my gosh, just the, all this emo crap. You know, that's what, that's really what it came down to me was just kind of the annoyance of get over yourself. And and to hear we can't
1: an, we're just in our fields and,
0: right but to and to hear an album where they're not over themselves and I also Kristen I don't feel like they're glorifying death in this either no you know what they're, I mean they're definitely not right and and so yeah so it, it's it as you say it's a progression thing and and the more I listen to it and hear and and as I listened to it the other day and once you told me that and that really put some pieces together for me I was. Really, kind of impressed more and more and more with um, with this kind of thing. So,
1: I'm gonna put that in the win column for me. Yeah,
0: sure, sure. <laughs> and again, look, I'm not gonna say you're not gonna see this show up on my on my playlist or anything or my repeat list. And it, none of these things are gonna make the big honking show, you know, set list.
1: <laughs> none of them are gonna take out 21st century "Sha
0: La La La" girl. You better believe it. So. <laughs> which when i saw you in the chat today i'm just telling you straight up i played that specifically for you when i saw you in the uh, chat i tell so.
1: you i was making a smoothie i was dancing
0: <laughs> and that is how i imagine everyone listening to these shows <laughs> <laughs> uh we move from that track to the next and uh it's a song called the sharpest the sharpest lives <laughs>
3: There's a place in the dark where the animals go. You can take off your skin in the cannibal glow. Juliet loves a beat and the lusty commands drop the dead.
0: Look, that's a song that could be playing on a scene from Smallville. <laughs> I love it. You, I wish. You, well, you know what I'm saying? Like, I can just see, like, as things are going dark and and things are getting nuts and the bad guys are coming. <laughs> you know, that just...
2: Brrr, Give
0: me a shot to remember.
1: <laughs> this song, like, on like, honestly... I love this song so much. Mm-hmm. Like it's not my favorite, but okay. I love this song also in like, you know, we're talking about the concept kind of, you know, putting the pieces together. This is kind of the last hurrah. Mm-hmm. The, like this is where we go into the afterlife because, well, you know, we pass and are greeted by the afterlife because of oh, the wow. next song on the record. Okay. But it's like the last bender, like, you know, the last hurrah, but y- you guys know me. I am a lyrics person, so let's just talk about this chorus. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm just gonna I'm gonna read the lyrics of the mm-hmm. chorus. Uh, Give me a shot to remember, and you could take all the pain away from me. A kiss, and I will surrender. The sharpest lives are the deadliest to lead. A light to burn all the empires so bright, the sun is ashamed to rise and be in love with all of these vampires. So you can leave like the sane abandoned me. Get out of here! <laughs> I can't. I can't. It's just so good. Like, they, like, I, I've always liked my chem's lyrics because mm-hmm. they are very theatrical and mm-hmm. they are very, like, movie-esque. Yeah. But this record is another level. hmm And, like, the, the one thing I, I ugh, okay, it's not even, like, a dislike, but if someone was listening to, like, this record and this song specifically... I don't think you're pulling out all those words in the chorus on the first listen, you know? Right. Like, you're not like, oh, my God. The sun is a shame to rise and be. Oh, my God. Like, that's a beautiful lyric. <laughs> <laughs> like, I also love Juliet loves the beat and the lust commands. Drop the dagger and lather the blood on your hands, Romeo. Oh,
0: so good. <laughs> what, we got a Shakespeare reference in here, too? Like... I know. You know, they're cultured.
1: i love this band (laughs) but yeah so like steve said and we talk about you know the concept of the record like overall like gerard has said in a ton of interviews like he likes to believe that when death comes for you It comes to you in the form of your fondest memory of your life. So it could be, you know, from your childhood. It could be, you know, your wedding day. Like, your most important memory. And in this case, this this patient, death comes to him in the form of the Black Parade, Mm -hmm. a marching band. From when his father took him to the city to see a marching band as a child. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of like, okay, you know, we've gone through... The last days of the patient, yeah. And now we're ready to start the journey into the afterlife.
0: We're ready. To, we're ready to jump into the black parade.
1: We are. G note warning emos.
0: I don't know what that means.
1: I know you don't. So this became a thing. It did. Like if you would hear that G note, emos would start crying everywhere.
0: <laughs> what?
1: But now they're back, so the G note is no longer a bad thing.
0: Okay. okay, all right.
1: We're crazy, Steve. So you just want me to
0: hit this from the top?
1: Uh, I mean, I would have you come in when it starts to kick in, but I mean, the intro is so iconic. We can't, we can't not play it. All right, get ready, Gil, Sorry.
0: All right, here we go.
3: the non-believers, the plans that they have made, because one day I'll leave you a phantom to lead you in the summer, to join the black parade.
0: So, Crystal, when I heard this song the other day, I kind of sent you a text, and I was like, this really just sounds like an anthem of defiance. Yep. And that's when you kind of let me know, hey, this album is about, you know, someone getting basically a cancer diagnosis and going through all of it and dying and what's beyond. Yep.
1: It's, It's, like I said, it's a journey. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, there's a lyric in the song, defiant till the end, we hear the call to carry on. Like, so when you have a stupid magazine saying like, oh yeah, my Chemical Romance fans, they're all in a death cult. It's like, you literally have no idea. <laughs> You're literally just writing that so people buy your paper or they read the headline and they're like, oh my God, like my, my kid's in a death cult? Like, no, like this song is about carrying on and you know, even like, doing living your life so and knowing being happy with how you've lived your life because knowing that when you go your memory your story all of that is going to carry on like you will leave something behind of you like when you die you're not just gone forever hmm. like people still carry the memory of you with them so like they're just, they're amazing. And like, honestly, like, okay, the Black Parade, it's the biggest song on the record. It's probably the, the one song that a, a non-My Chemical Romance fan would know or be aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I just want, like I said, I went to the record release show. Well, I went to the $2 Bill show in Philly, which was a pre, pre, pre album release. Then I went to the, the show um, at Vintage Vinyl in Jersey. For the record release on the day it came out. And then in February. I went to like the Philly date. Of the Black Parade Tour. And. I had no idea what to expect. Like I knew it was going to be a big deal. But again they were kind of being tight lipped. About what they were going to do. Like production and all that sort of stuff. And again we're in 2007. Like the internet is. Around obviously. But it's not like oh well like today where i could go on youtube and be like oh my god let me look at the videos like, right. from the show and see all the production so there was still like this air of like you didn't know it was coming like it was still very fresh when you first saw it so like I've, i know i told this story before me and my friend lauren we skipped, skipped school that day we got in line at like six in the morning and we stayed out there for like 12 or 13 hours in the snow with sleeping bags. We were fourth and fifth in line. We got up front. We experienced the Black Parade from the front row of an arena. And it, well, it it's like, it's one of those things where you're just like, oh my God. And then at the end of this song, like, when Gerard is screaming, like, we'll carry on. He's, like, you know, doing all that. And then you have the marching band drums come in at the end. And that one big final tom hit. Like, confetti is just, like, spewing throughout the arena. Black and silver confetti. And, yes, I still have a clump of it.
2: <laughs> <No more. laughs> so,
1: it's just, like, this epic moment. Like, this song is, like, a call to arms for like the My Chemical Romance fans. When they just reunited in California, this was the last song they played. And and Gerard said he was like, you know, you might have heard this song before. I think it's the one you want to hear. We saved like did we save the best for last? And then that G note played. So people just like lost their mind. Hmm. Um th- like this is the song. Not yeah. my favorite, but this is the right. song that made my chemical romance and made this record.
0: So, just to be clear, we haven't hit your favorite yet. Huh, no. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, my favorite's a weird one. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't expect anything less from That's you. Right? Yeah. So
1: Now Oh, go ahead, go ahead.
0: Well, here's here's the thing. So, we're we're six. We're about to be six tracks into a thirteen-track album, uh-huh. and and the person's already dead.
1: He's dead. Now, now we go to the afterlife. Now we go to the fun stuff. We, oh. are, we know we know about life. We know what goes on. We don't know about what happens in the afterlife. Is
0: is that the intent of this thing? Is that is that what's happening here?
1: I mean, it's just. I don't know that it's that deep.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think now we start to get into more of the experimental songs okay. on the record. Like yeah. Now we start to get into some freaky stuff, some like weird themes, um, which I love.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and again, like, ju- so I want you guys, I want you to close your eyes. And before Steve plays this next song, I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to picture yourself in that arena with all the confetti just beautifully falling and cascading down throughout the entirety of this next song that's how much confetti there was holy yeah
2: (laughs) yeah, it continues to fall
1: during this song i almost wanted to make confetti angels but you know the floor is gross right no. yeah no you don't Um, do that but like it it almost like i did cry at this show at the at the Black Parade show that I went to, but it was not during this part, but I did get teary because it was just so beautiful, and this next song is so beautiful. It's like your typical power effing ballad, man. Okay.
3: Down and out. This where you
0: And we're making Confetti Angels now? Is that what's happening?
1: I mean, that's what I wanted to do.
0: <laughs>
1: I was crushed against a barricade, so I could not.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm.
1: But it, this song is just like, oh, my God, it's just beautiful. Like, his voice, the soaring guitars, like, heartbreak of those lyrics. Just like, oh, my God. Like, it just punches you in the gut. Um but this song is the introduction of uh, two characters that we meet on our journey—the mm. characters of fear and
2: regret—and
1: mm. this is fear and regret kind of leading the patient and showing him, like the people, like images of the people in his life, like his past relationships, family, um, and showing him how awfully he treated the people around him.
0: Oh, so it wasn't a nice person that died
1: no that's
0: unfortunate
1: (laughs) i mean you know again like we said my chemical romance has never said that like you know this is exactly the concept this is the most widely regarded version of the concept
0: okay all right
1: but i mean like just how he sings like that last like that little bit that we heard where he's like would you have the guts to say i don't love you like i loved Mm -hmm. you yesterday Mm -hmm. like that like who hurt you I mean I know <laughs> who hurt him, but like who
0: hurt you? I, I mean I know who it was and I'm gonna take them out one day. But I
1: mean I know because uh, you know, like I said, I was a psychotic Mike Kemp fan, so I mean I don't know if Jess knows like why is cuts, but
0: <laughs> <laughs> It wouldn't surprise me. A lot of a lot of people out there.
1: Also, did you see the comment from Jess about the geeky connection with this song?
0: Uh Colton Haynes who played Roy Harper and Arrow is in the music video. Wow. Okay, so the this red is a very arrow. Artsy video. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, yeah, most would. of them would be, wouldn't they? Um,
1: I mean, with My Chemical Romance, yes. Okay. But See, I was gonna my say My Chemical Romance. This is artsy, artsy.
0: Okay, because I was gonna say I don't imagine My Chemical Romance putting out a concert video, a la Def Leppard. No. You do know, you
1: think, do they? They do have a live record, but it's or a live video, but mm-hmm. it's off. Uh, well. The first, I'm not okay, but whatever. Um, and off the set, <laughs> off the, the record after this, off the Danger th- Days, there's one. By someone. the way. Yes.
0: <laughs> I just want to give a shout out to your Uncle Bill.
1: <laughs> Why? because you <laughs> said play Freebird. Play
0: Freebird.
1: <laughs> He's also had the Black Parade stuck in his head, mm. like, for the past week. He's like, this is ridiculous. I blame you. I'm like, you're welcome. <laughs> Um,
0: In this particular song, and I don't know how to approach what I'm about to say. Okay. 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 Um, he has a very familiar sound vocally to me. Okay. That's, whiny. mm, I mean, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to attack his sound, but I'm, I don't want it to come across as attacking either. I'm not, there's nothing critical. I want to say, except either he was right there around a, a time and place where a lot of people were sounding that way mm-hmm. or he influenced people to kind of sound that way. Um, whiny maybe the word a little nasally as he's singing kind of in, in the way. I don't, I don't know how to explain what I'm hearing. See, um
1: And you, you know, what's crazy is that I don't like, I think Gerard's voice in the pantheon of the bands that were out at this time mm-hmm. is like super unique. So yeah. you saying that is very interesting to me. Go, go
0: keep going. Well, and, and that's the thing is like, I'm hearing him and I'm like, who does this sound like? What does this sound like? And I can't, I couldn't point to anything in particular. There was a moment and it may be the production where I guess it would be, let's see, if this was 2006 when this came out, it would be four or five years later. What's that group called? Um, that did the some nights I stay. Okay. Oh, fun! Yeah, there's a moment. Uh, there's a moment where there's a uh, not that particular song. I understand. Let me tell you about that group. I'm
1: bleeding out on the floor from Listen, the knife you just stabbed uh, into my I, heart. No,
0: this is why I was trying to tread lightly, because there's one note he hits that sounded like that dude in another song, but it's not his. It's not the entirety of his voice. That I, I can't pinpoint any particular group that he sounds like, but I know I've heard a, heard a tone of voice like that somewhere else. And, and it's like, either there was a lot of music going on that way at the time, or he influenced a lot of people in that direction at the time.
1: I, I think it's, I, in my opinion, in your heart, is that okay. because like no bands that were out then mm-hmm. sounded like my chem,
2: mm-hmm. okay.
1: especially vocally because it tended to be more on the, like the nasally side mm-hmm. and Gerard can get there. Like I see what you mean where you say like the nasally and all that, but like, I'm thinking, like I think of Dashboard Confessional where I'm like, oh my God,
0: mm-hmm. that
1: voice is so, like to me, so whiny.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So it's not like at that level. And Gerard also like growled a lot. And like I said, like was not the best singer and mm-hmm. really worked on it. <laughs>
0: I I here I'm going to I'm going to step out here and, and say uh, around I was working as a youth pastor at this time and and so I was I was hanging out with a lot of teenagers and stuff but I was also getting a lot of music in the mail from okay. for uh, of Christian bands Christian rock bands and stuff um from a from a thing that our church was a part of where like this this company would like compile boxes of latest music from different groups and and send out to churches and stuff. And I feel like what I'm hearing there is a lot of what was in some of these bands back then. Mm-hmm. And, and you have that in Christian rock. Sometimes you have groups that, you know, let's, I'm just going to be, I'm just going to call it like I sees it right now in, in Christian music. Sometimes, <laughs> especially in Christian rock, you have, um, you have groups that can't really make it on the mainstream scene, and so they Jesus up their lyrics and and try to make it in, in the church circles. That's not everyone in the Christian rock scene, mind you, uh, but th- but that is the case. And so I'm wondering if, as I was perusing through some of those albums, if that's kind of what I'm hearing there.
1: You know what's interesting, too, like, you saying that? Not so much, like, with the sound, but um, the whole, like, okay, let's add some let's add some Jesus into this. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an interview that Gerard did around this time where, because obviously, like, there's a lot, like, a lot of people were, like, tying religion into this. Mm-hmm. Um and he said, he's like, we're not a band that's going to rely on, you know, God or, you know, the devil. Like, we're not la- relying on religious terms, because mm-hmm. not everybody can relate to those things. But the concept of death, dying, and, you know, being
0: defiant, and, you know, finding, like, will to live, mm-hmm. everybody can relate to those things. Well, that's what I was saying. That's part of the human condition. Yeah. And, and, and art should reflect... Or comment on in some way some portions of the human condition often you know if if you're trying to be high art you know, or trying to be conceptual like this, um you know and 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 obviously death being something we all go through is uh it is so I, maybe that's what I'm hearing in that particular song. It's maybe some of those bands that I just perused, you know, and didn't really give much else to after a while around this same era of time because uh, what you have off also in in the christian rock genre is oh this group is hitting big or this group is doing this thing let's find a group that kind of sounds like them because mm-hmm. they'll reach a lot of people you know as an alternative to the secular stuff that this other group's doing does that make sense no. yes so it, does. I it, it <laughs> it's yeah it is let me tell you something it crippled in a lot of ways it crippled and stifled the creativity of genuine christians who were talented and wanted to in you know use their art to reflect their faith and their faith journey um around the from the from the mid late 90s into this time in the 2000s and and you can actually see if you were in if you were in the circles like I was you could you could see how there were some really creative people who had some really good things to say about faith about their walk about all this stuff that that went unheard because they could not be marketed mm-hmm. and and you and and like you expect that from regular old you know you you and now I'm talking about my life experience you expect that from a regular record executive you know you you expect that from someone who's, who's, it's all about the business, but when people start trying to, you know, throw their faith at something and say, well, my faith is this, this faith is important, and then they're like, well, I, we, we can't market you, so we're not going to really get behind this. It just seems kind of weird. So I think, I sincerely think that's what it was. I can't point to anything specific, but he sounded, it sounded so familiar to me.
1: And that might be the ballads. So strap yeah, in. Yeah, right. You got you got two more ballads. Okay. So three, or no, three uh, got right. yeah, three.
0: And two it may ones. it may it may hit me as we move on. So, um, I, I'm now perusing the notes ahead. Are we about to go to
1: hell? Uh, we are about to go to hell.
0: <laughs> okay, this seems very metal. Oh, I love it. <laughs> all right, this is called House of Wolves. The line, I think I'm going to burn in hell, it sounds like everybody can sheet, get up. It sounds like they're doing kiss.
1: Okay. So this song is kind of like a a mixture of a lot of um, parts and pieces that they had written that Mm -hmm. didn't really fit anywhere else. So they had that riff of like almost a Detroit rock city. Yeah, yeah um on the last record but they were like this doesn't fit in anywhere Mm -hmm. and then when they were doing house of wolves they were like well what about this idea that you know this is when the patient is starting to realize like i might be going to hell and like entering like this jazz club area of you know the afterlife and it's all fire and brimstone and wolves and devil characters and being like I, ooh, I, I might be going here and I don't know that I want to be here. Like, it's the first time that, like, the patient is kind of um scared of the, their life choices and that might be sending them to a somewhere they don't necessarily want to go. Hmm. So not so cavalier anymore, are we? I,
0: this is like the journey of Ebenezer Scrooge.
1: There you go. I mean... Are the Muppets there? <laughs>
0: One can only hope, Kristen. One can only hope. <laughs> Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Ebenezer Scrooge. What day is it? Hey, you lad, what day is it? The size of a tangerine.
1: The size of a tangerine. <laughs> the bandit had been giving them away.
0: Because <laughs> some people just want to watch the world watch burn. Watch the world burn. <laughs> That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We just transitioned into The Dark night. That's.
1: i mean you know we're multifaceted on this
0: show indeed indeed i mean did we not have a 20 minute conversation about the joker before we ever got in this <laughs> <I> album <know. laughs> oh god uh, so here we go moving on here with this I, I, on this journey that this person's taken um we this we... is
1: most people's favorite song on the record most but not yours not mine. This okay. is most people's favorite song on the record. I don't know if it still is, but mm-hmm. like collectively, this was the band's favorite song. Okay. Off the record. And, you know, this was another thing because, you know, Steve was giving me a bit of grief about this and like, you know, this record. And, you know, oh well, Kristen, you know, we are doing like, you know, cure for childhood cancer.
0: I was joking.
1: No, I know, but I'm just saying that when this record came out and this particular song came out there were so many people that were former vic- like cancer survivors mm-hmm. or were currently battling cancer that used this record and this song as you know something to hang on to and this is a very powerful song that's important to a lot of people
0: all right and we'll just take it from the top
1: yeah because it's a short one
3: water because my lips are chapped and faded. Call my Aunt Marie. Help her gather all my things and bury me in all my favorite colors. My sisters and
0: So as this song goes on, I mean, like the lyrics are because my hair's abandoned all my body, all my agony, know that I will never marry. Baby, I'm just soggy from the chemo, but counting down the days to go, it just ain't living. Um, like this is a very like there's there's no hidden theme here. It's very out there in your face.
1: Yes. And this is talking about how, you know, Mike chem is, you know, meticulous and kind of thinks everything out like the drums coming in after that first chorus is intentional because they felt that um, the song almost need, well, it needed some form of hope um, because it is a very bleak song. And when they put the drums in, it was almost as if the drums added this like air of hope Mm -hmm. to this bleak situation um and in the terms of you know the story that the record's telling this is kind of the patient getting a glimpse of what his death meant to his loved ones um and kind of having that realization and like you know the hardest part of this is leaving you Mm.
2: um
1: and you know talking about how this was like a big song for my chem there was a point where and i hated this admittedly <laughs> there was a point where they were closing shows with this song oh wow like the last song oh. encore, and this was the last song in the encore that's it was a choice i didn't love it some people did and if you loved it i wish i could be in your camp but I did not like how that left everything. It was just yeah. A that's
0: kind of a bummer vibe. way to walk out of the 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 auditorium.
1: Yeah. With this thing kind of hanging over you. The last time, so I think so the la- technically the last show my Chemical Romance played on the Black Parade tour was a show at in Maxwell's, up in North Jersey, which is literally like a two hundred person bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I did not get into, and believe me, I tried my damnedest. Um, but I did see the struts there <laughs> several,
0: uh, several times, apparently
1: not, not at Maxwell's, no, but your best
0: Paul friend, your best friend's the struts. Love
1: them. Um, I mean, Luke did stop the middle of the show to, to talk to me in a circle, which is great. But anyway, <laughs> uh, anyway, the last show that they played on like the actual tour where like they weren't the black parade anymore, but. Like they weren't doing the full start to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, was at the electric factory in Philly. And at that show they closed with cancer. And I remember turning to my dad and being like, They're literally closing with that. I was so annoyed.
0: <laughs> I was They're, like,
1: This is not great. Why did they do this?
0: Their la like this was kind of their last show ever until they've gotten back together?
1: No, 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 no. Okay. Um, this was like the last of like the black parade. Okay, ever.
0: of this okay, I see. Yes. I was gonna say what a what a terrible way to go out on your farewell.
1: No, but you know what? I can look up I mean we I'll say oh. it later. But I I can look up the last song they played on their last show before they got back together because that was at Bamboozle in Jersey.
0: Okay. Um the the thing about that song is it feels it feels so um literal, you know, like it, there's no there's no artistic hiding behind you know lyrics and that sort of thing that it it's almost i don't know like it, it almost feels out of place if if the if the patient has already died you know
1: but it's that it's almost seeing like a movie of mm-hmm. their like have it's like how you know people say like oh like i i wish i could be at my funeral mm-hmm. to see mm. to see like how people react or whatever it's like that moment Mm. Where it's like, I want to see how people are reacting to my death. Okay. Um, so the last song that My Chemical Romance played um on their last show until they got back together was Helena, which is off the, the second record. But Cancer was on the set list and not played that mm. night. Wow. Yep. All right. So the set list was I'm not okay, thank you for the venom, mama, na 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 Our Lady of Sorrows, Destroya teenagers vampire money famous last words welcome to the black parade vampires will never hurt you and helena
0: Hmm.
1: which okay. i know means so much to steve he knows all those songs i just doesn't
0: listed. mean a thing to me by, by the way <laughs> so uh here we go speaking of you mentioned this one in that set list is mama i
2: did yeah. i
0: did so we'll uh we'll take a listen to this mama Well, there's the bad words. Sorry about that. There's, there's the
3: bad words.
0: This sounds like kinda of, I I don't like this song.
2: This is my favorite song!
0: <laughs> of course it is. I, of course it is. I, I, <laughs> why would it be- that gang of drunken I was you know, going to Crusaders I was about to say this sounds like a like a drunken bar song where people are just starting to kind of sing oh, <laughs> oh, oh. that's, what it, like. yes. that's exactly yes. what it sounds like that's exactly what it sounds like I
1: I love this song so much. Yeah, that's
0: awesome. It's
1: such a wacky, off-the-wall song. Someone dared Ray that he couldn't make a polka song rock, and he said, oh, you think so? Oh, and he said, Mama.
0: It is kind of in polka time, isn't it?
1: Yes. So it's just, oh, my God. like, And so, okay, the story behind Mama is that they basically – brought it to soundcheck like they had it in pieces and gerard kept singing this line mama we all go to hell because that's how the song opens Mm -hmm. and they brought it to soundcheck ray did the guitar part because he's like i think it i think he's like you know bouncy 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 um and ray wrote that guitar part and then they all just started to collaborate and it became this like larger than life song and then like do you know who the woman is that sang on it
0: Mm mm-hmm
1: Okay, so that's Liza Minnelli.
0: Oh wow!
1: Yeah, and Liza the, with a
0: Z, not Lisa Liza with an S. With
1: a Z. Um, so Liza Minnelli was Gerard and Mikey's grandma's. I don't know if she was her favorite singer, but one of her favorite singers. Um, so when they were doing this record, like Gerard was kind of like. You know, they were toying around the idea of Gerard doing that voice and just like, you know, a higher pitch, like a more feminine vocal. And then he just said to the record company, he's like, why don't we just try to get Liza Minnelli? And Liza Minnelli really liked what they were doing and loved that, like their, their uh, grandma, who was so important to them, was like huge fan. And like this song is very cabaret, like it's very camp, it's, it's larger than life. And she was like, sure, I'll do it. So she has that one line on the record, and it's iconic. Um, and then when it when it was performed live on the Black Parade tour, like this is the first time that all the pyro goes off.
2: Mm.
1: And let me tell you, I don't know how they're on stage doing it, because I was up front, and it was hot. Yeah. It was so hot.
0: <laughs> well, there you go.
1: I my eyebrows were going to be singed off. <laughs>
0: It was like going to a wrestling show and they blow off all that pyro stuff.
1: I know. It's crazy. Love it. Love it. But yeah, this is my jam. And like, when they, so again, when they reunited in December, they played this song. And I was actually surprised that they played this song. I don't know why, because it was such a fan favorite. But once the guitar started to like bounce and go, Gerard just like put his hands on his hips and he goes, it's that time, Los Angeles. <laughs> and everybody just lost their minds. Um, Why? The what wave. does that mean? Because Ma- like, it's time for Mama. Like, Mama oh, okay. is here. All right. Get ready for it. Because, I mean, this is probably the most theatrical song they've ever written. Like, this and Black Parade. Like, Black Parade is like their Bohemian Rhapsody. Right. And this is more of just like, let's just throw everything at the wall. And it all sticks and it all works. Does it? Uh for me. <laughs> okay. For you know, the un the unwashed like for, you for the it un- does not.
0: <laughs> the unwashed. <laughs> 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 oh nice. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
1: We'll get ready because we're about to go into a ballad, which I'm sure you'll love so much.
0: Yeah. Also, apparently, uh last time we referenced The Dark Knight, that was the third Batman movie reference in this show, by the way. Oh, was so, it? Yeah.
1: Someone said that we were the second Joker reference. I didn't hear the other one.
0: Yeah. So um so we move into this one. It's called Sleep.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: This is an unrepentant individual. Uh oh, we lost Kristen. What happened? She she couldn't she just couldn't take it anymore. We lost you there.
1: I pressed the wrong button. I was on mute.
0: Oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> I said so. This is an unrepentant individual.
1: I don't I don't know. Okay, because like when I hear the song, I kind of am in that camp, mm-hmm. but. Like the widely accepted like version of this song in terms of like how it's seen is that like this is kind of, you know, that fear, those fear and regret characters holding the mirror up to the patient Mm -hmm. and him like coming to terms with, yeah, I've been awful, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: but I don't necessarily, that's not necessarily what I subscribe to. I think like that he is a bit unrepentant. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> but also like this song, like w- something that we didn't play, is this song opens up with taped messages that Gerard would like speak into a recorder, mm-hmm. because when they recorded this um record, I believe at the house that they record or the studio they recorded at, or the house that they recorded at is called the Paramore House. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's, like, a very well-known, like, haunted, weird, weird stuff goes on there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, like, emotionally, it was really taking a toll on the band. And, I mean, like, these are sensitive dudes to begin with.
2: <laughs> so, yeah. Um,
1: like, emo- very emotionally sensitive dudes. And, um, like, Gerard was having these night terrors. That, like, it, it felt like somebody was choking him. And so he couldn't sleep and it was like it was driving him nuts because he couldn't get any rest. So that's also kind of the background of this song, too, is kind of like a slow descent into slight madness from not being able to sleep when all you want to do is sleep.
0: Mm. Okay. well.
1: Mm. Also, that high note he hits on this song. mm.
0: (laughs) There it is. That's what we want to hear. That's what we want to get into is the artistry of it all. So I just, I feel like there's nothing in the lyrics as I'm reading through them that leads me to believe the person's repentant at all.
1: I know. Right. Like unapologetic apathy. There's no way that I'm coming back again. Like, I don't know.
0: I can't see what you're pointing out to me. The hardest part is letting go of your dreams.
1: I mean, that's like the one line, I feel. Like, that line, but then everything else is just like, whatever.
0: Yeah. Well, you, so are like, you saying, Haley, Haley has come in, and she's listening in, and so she's she's getting engaged here. Like,
1: I'm crazy. I'm sorry. A,
0: <laughs> she's laughing. Um, are you saying you don't think that's repentant because he can't let go of his dreams? Or looking at you, Haley? I'm not on. <laughs> no, you're not on. Oh, okay. I think, I think he's
2: struggling.
0: She thinks he's struggling. Okay. I mean, he's he's apparently dead. Yeah.
2: But you can still
1: struggle with emotions after you're dead, Steve. You don't know that
0: you can't. I'm just, no, I'm just letting her know that that's the case. That's where this dude's at. And basically, he's being carted through the afterlife, and he's meeting with fear and regret, apparently. And they're trying to get him to be <laughs> yeah. sorry for what he did. So, <laughs> okay. She says, I think he's saying, I've been through something so terrible, I just can't feel anymore, can't feel anymore anyway, so why be sorry?
1: I mean that would fit in the theme of the time yeah, <laughs> that this but... record came out in.
0: <laughs> all right. And now, uh, teenagers.
1: Yeah. Um, everybody, this song has a lot of cursing. It's one particular word. So, uh, warning. Yes. With all the lies in the books To make a citizen out of
3: you because they sleep with a gun And keep an eye on you, son So they can watch all the things you do Because the drugs never work They're gonna give you a smirk Cause they got methods of keeping you clean They're gonna rip up your heads Your aspirations to shreds Another cock in the murder machine They say
0: When did they uh, turn into the Georgia Satellites?
1: (laughs) Well, when they first recorded this song. So Mm -hmm. there was like, there were two camps on this song, right? Mm -hmm. There was Gerard that wrote it Mm -hmm. and was like, I'm bringing this to the table and I think everyone's going to look at me like I'm crazy. And the guitar player Ray was like, you are crazy. And I'm so into this song. And then everybody else was like, so you wrote like a, a T-Rex song about how teenagers yes. scare you. <laughs> and then they were like, oh, this is a joke. And then like the one guitar, the other guitar player was like, oh wait, you're serious. Like we're seriously recording this. song. <laughs> but like, this was a single off the record. There's four singles off the record. This is one of them, right? This was a song that they went back and forth throughout the entirety before they put out the record of, is this song irresponsible?
2: Mm.
1: because, like, you have the lyric in the, su- in the song, like, if you're troubled and hurt, what you've got under your shirt will make them pay for the things that they did. Right. So that was a huge discussion in with the band and the record label, like, are we irresponsible for putting this song out? But, I mean, at the time, and I mean, hell, even in the world we live in now, teenage violence is a hot topic. Mm-hmm. Like that, it hasn't gone away. Right. So, them writing this song was kind of having, calling that out and showing, like, this is a problem. And teenagers in general are predisposed to violence. Like, they're already going through all this, like, hormonal, emotional stuff that they don't know how to process and deal with. And now you add even more, like, deathly violence on top of that.
0: And the drugs and never work.
1: No. And you know, Oh my God, the drugs ever work. They're going to give you a, cause it's like, they're all on, it's like you're putting all these kids that are depressed. You're just like, cool drugs, 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 be normal, be happy, be happy. But it's like, is that really the answer? You're like, not getting that...
0: to, you're not getting to the core of the problem with that.
2: Exactly.
0: You're, you're, you're treating a symptom, but not the, not the, not the issue. And two, when you start poisoning their bodies with all these drugs, that's not good for them either.
1: Yep. It's, It's a very, like this song, it's not one of my favorites off the record. Mm -hmm. Some people like love and adore this song. Um, Not one of my favorites, but I think it's an important song. And I also think it's extremely gutsy that the record company was like, yep. Especially when the, like I've brought up the whole death cult thing. Like that, that was out there. So now they're singing this song. And the record company's aware of all the stuff and all the press that's going out about this band. Mm-hmm. So I think it's gutsy that the record company was like, put this on the record. Don't take it off. I think that's a huge deal. And um, uh, not related to the record, but related to the song, when I went to an emo night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this was the song that they chose to play by Mike Henn, which I thought was interesting because it wasn't necessarily a deep cut and they pulled out a lot of deep cuts and it was great, but everybody was partying at teenagers. (laughs) Uh,
0: It also, I'm going to say this, the line they could care less if someone will bleed darken your clothes or strike a violent pose. And maybe they'll leave you alone, but not me. I, I really, what I think what they're saying there is, is like, if you need to get them to leave you alone, then, then just front like this is something you would do. I don't think they're saying get even though it talks about what's under your shirt. I don't think that they're saying perpetrate violence at all.
1: I don't either. And I think that somebody that again, like that doesn't listen to the lyrics that wants to take things on like a very um like base level mm-hmm. and like at user or at like face value level would think that. But if you actually listen to the the lyrics beyond that one part that stay like you hear it this is not like with um what with the, uh, this is how i disappear where you're not hearing gerard's voice in the in the mix the guitar players are or the guitars mm-hmm. are kind of overtaking it this he is up front
2: in yeah. the mix yeah
1: you hear those lyrics
0: yeah and i and i and and i think that I what i think this song is doing and i think and i can see where people would interpret it you know that negative way But I I think what this song is doing is it is showing it's I think it's putting a spotlight on the inability or the or the unwillingness of of people in positions of authority to truly understand what's happening in the lives of a people group.
1: Preach, Steve. And in this case, you're not even a fan and you're pulling this out. And
0: in this case, teenagers. You know, well, just they, sh- they scare the crap out of me. I mean, that, that line right there, you know. And I'm telling you, as someone who spent, you know, a, a decade and a half working with teenagers and still do, you know, to an extent, you, you know, it I can't tell you how many people you hear say, well, I'm glad you're doing it because I just can't, you know. And truly what you find out is with, with any, and it's just like with anybody, you don't have to have everything in common you just have to show some freaking compassion yes and 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 show some interest and and show a little care and that goes that goes a lot further than than Riddlin. you know <laughs> that goes it and i'm being serious like this is this is a i get a little passionate about this because of the time spent working with teenagers good you know and so again rock out loud bringing out the serious side of things that's what
1: we do we have fun but you know we, we we break it down we have to
0: well look let's just be let's be straight here because what they're what anyone is scared of if they hear this song uh, is school shootings mm-hmm. you know and and that's kind of the underlying thing of what they're saying happens here and that sort of stuff and, and again, I don't know that it's necessarily glorifying. And I think it's like, hey, look at this. Look at what's happening. Look at your attitude toward it and look at the situation. Look at what these people are going through. And this is why these kids do this because it's a response to this and it's the only response they know. I remember back in 99 uh, with the Columbine shooting. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was sitting there watching the news as everyone was that day. And as they brought in all of these talking heads to talk about kids and teenagers, I, I realized, I'm like, you don't, you don't deal with kids on a regular basis as much as you want these newscasters to think you do. Yep. Because you're speaking, you're talking about kids now in a way that I can definitely tell you don't understand teenagers, and I was still close enough at that time in 99 to having been a teenager to kind of, that was still right in my generation. Those the the seniors in, at that high school would have been real close to kind of my 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 level, and so I just remember looking like you don't get it. And and throughout the throughout my tenure working with teenagers, I could always spot people who thought they got it and just didn't. And and they're the ones that just kind of are the ones that are scared of the kids they're working with, or they're scared of the kids they see, and and they're the ones who what for whatever reason end up getting a big voice a lot of times and things. So. Uh, yeah, That's I'm, how it always is, right? Yeah, I'm a little bit passionate about that subject. So <laughs> just I love it. That was a
1: great conversation. So. Also, have you seen Bowling for Columbine, the documentary?
0: I have not, no.
1: Okay, well, you talking about that, right? So um, what's the, what's the director's name? Michael Moore? Michael Moore, yeah. Yeah, Michael Moore goes to a, uh, um, a Marilyn Manson show mm-hmm. and interviews Marilyn Manson because obviously he got that hat like that nail hung on him Like, right. oh they, they loved marilyn manson and that's why they did this and not not true they actually hated marilyn manson but right. whatever you know the news runs with what they want and like he sat down and he said to marilyn manson he goes what would you have said to those two boys if they were sitting in front of you and his response he like with Without even taking a second, he goes, "I wouldn't have said one word to them. I would have listened to what they had to say because nobody listened to a word they had to say."
2: Yeah, and it's
1: like a literal mic drop moment. Mm -hmm. So it's exactly what you're saying. Like show compassion. Like, ugh, it's just and again goes back to Joker. We're bringing it around full circle. Exactly.
0: Just show (laughs) compassion for people.
1: It's not that difficult.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Come on, people. Come on, people! Now smile on you. Wait, no, that's we're not doing hippie music. We're not. Oh. <laughs> Everybody gets She's again. Disenchanted, though. Try, uh, yeah, we are. We are. I've got. I've just got to get it to the right time cue, Kristens. So give me just.
1: <laughs> get yes. ready. It's another ballad, Steve.
0: Oh, great! Good. I like. I,
1: I know you love them. Hear this great.
0: <laughs> get to hear these great vocals. So what's happening here? Is this kind of the. I don't so
1: know. for in the concept, this song is kind of like the patient finally accepting his death
2: mm-hmm.
1: and kind of apologizing for his actions in his life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, again, like it's kind of that. show, like looking back at the moments in your life and kind of having some perspective on it all um because even like like it opens the song opens basically Like I was there on the day they sold the cars cause for the queen when the lights all went out we watched our lives on the screen I hate the ending myself but it started with an all right scene so looking back and seeing that you know in the moment you might think your life is awful and that things will never get better but when you look back on it and some time passes seeing that like, Oh, like that wasn't, that wasn't too bad. Like looking back at it now, it's like the Bruce lyric, right? Someday we'll look back on this and it'll all seem funny. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: It's a little bit of like that mentality in here going on. Um, And this song, this song was around forever before the black parade on the, Three Cheers Suit Revenge Tour, they actually played a version of this song, and it ended up being very, very different, but the, like, the song structure and, like, the chords and the melody were all the same, Mm -hmm. Um, and they played it, and I remember I was at that show with my dad, and I turned around to my dad, and I was like, if the next record's like this, it's gonna be good, because I, I, like, I know we're on opposite sides of the coin when it comes to the whole ballad thing on here. Right. But like I love his I love how his vocals complement ballads and what the guitars are doing so well. They it almost has like that soaring quality. Mm-hmm. Um I always right, like, let me, alwe-
0: let, me clear so, let me clear something up. I don't think his voice is bad and I don't dislike it. It was. It just. It strikes something familiar. It strikes a familiar chord with me that I can't put my finger on. And I was trying to talk through it, hoping it would come to me. I actually. I think he. I think he's got a good, strong voice. And 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 it. And I think it's very much of this time. For whatever reason, I think it's of this time. But that's not. I. I wasn't trying to be negative about it in that. So I didn't mean to come off of that way.
1: No, well, I just, I'm just, um, you know me. I have yeah. like to bust on you a little bit. I
0: understand, I understand.
1: Um, but yeah, like that, I don't know. I just, I love, because you don't get a lot of Mike chem ballads. Right. And I think his voice is very, very fitting for those types of songs. Um, And I mean, even on his solo record, there really weren't any ballads. And he was definitely not singing like this, so...
0: I feel like this is someone trying to impart some wisdom to the person who, whoever may be listening. Um,
1: Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I see the, that.
0: The, the, the phrase he, when he says you never learned a thing, you're just a sad song with nothing to say about a lifelong wait for a hospital stay. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, I mean like that is, and again, I'm coming from a place of experience where I have spent a large portion of my life, um, working in, uh, in an area where if someone with the right amount of talent comes along, regardless of their age or experience, based on their talent, people will suddenly think they, they're spiritual and they have something of substance to add to our conversation about faith or to our growth in our faith. When the truth of the matter is, is a lot of times they just have a spiritual song uh, that has really nothing to say about real life. And we end up putting that person on a pedestal with no one ever kind of coming up to them and giving them the level of wisdom that this speaker in this particular work is giving to whoever is listening, saying, look, you don't understand. You've got a sad song, but it's really got nothing to say about where you're headed. You, only, you the, the 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 amount of experience you have in sadness, there is more to life than where you're at right now. And then as an example, he says... If you think I'm wrong, this never meant nothing to you. I spent my high school career spit on and shoved to agree so I could watch all my heroes sell a car on TV. I saw people grow up and grow out into a place where they were literally selling out. You know, these are the people I thought were on my side that were behind me that understood me. Come to find out, they're just like everybody else.
1: See, Steve, sometimes, like... You might not listen to a record, or you might not be a fan of a record, but you always pull out and drop some knowledge on the children, and I am here for it.
0: (laughs) Woody Woodpecker laughing that guitar riff. Um, I know. I mean, that was just the beginning. (laughs) But no, I mean, song
1: too. We've come a long way.
0: Think, think about it. Think about the what is the biggest insult people give to artists that they love? Well, they sold out. Yeah, they sell out. They sell out, which I'm like, I'll sell out in a heartbeat. You know, if someone wants to pay me to do this, yeah, well, I'll do it. Um, you know, but at the same time, there is a there is a disenchantment. There's also a learning. All the people that were hippies in the Peace and Love Movement, how many of them became yuppies down the road? You know, how many of those people? That was the whole thing is like, in, in, in the late 60s, early 70s, they were the hippies out there dancing in the mud and putting flowers in their hair. But in the 80s, they were on Wall Street, you know, buying and selling. And, and there's nothing wrong with that progression in life. It's when you think that this is all there is to life. You're going to get disappointed. You're, if, that is, if this is all you think there is, if you're not willing to grow and, and expand, guess what? You're headed for a lot of disappointment. And I mean, so 100%, bring out, bring out 100%. the old Gia, bring out the old guillotine.
1: <laughs> we'll show them what we all mean.
0: So that uh, anyhow, that's pretty, that's pretty deep, I guess. <laughs> I love it. That's what
1: I'm about, Steve. With, I'm about you getting deep on my chemical romance.
0: Well, you know that it's, it's listen. That's the show. That is that is what we do around here, right?
1: I know, and we we're we're like almost at the end. We've definitely have played this next song before have we we have on some you know we we've done a lot of podcasts not in a while but you know what i think
0: just i'm looking here at the lyrics and i do think we've played this before i'm I'm, we
1: 100 percent have
0: i'm remembering i'm remembering just these first few lyrics this is famous last words here No i
3: know that i can't make you stay but where's your heart but where's your heart but where's your and i know there's nothing i can say to change that part to change that
0: Can jam to this song
1: i know when we i remember when we did this song you were like i'm loving this guitar
0: thing what yeah on. that's exactly what i was thinking right now <laughs> this has got a good jam to it i want to get to this peaceful bridge that's coming up at some point
1: <laughs> i don't know about peaceful
0: well you i'm just reading your notes here
1: i mean I don't know. This song, like some people think like, okay, this is like the choice between heaven and hell. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a choice. I just think that in terms of heaven and hell, I think it's a choice of like that. I am not afraid to keep on living. Like I'm going to keep going through in this afterlife and learning, continuing to learn lessons and, you know, do work so that I can become a better person.
0: Yeah. I, I've got a different take on this album, I think. Is this Yeah, the, talk to me. Is this the bridge? Is it the uh Was that the Peaceful Bridge?
1: No, it's coming up. Oh,
0: okay. Well, I mean, I, I was just looking at the lyrics and it had a thing in there. Um I I'm not ready to defend this stance on this. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but i'm gonna say it
0: no i just this is this is kind of and and this is this could be the naivete of hope you know <laughs> but as as i go through this i understand the imagery of the black parade i i get all that and and i understand i understand where in 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 literature in literary terms explication i understand the explication that you've given of of this album and and I I have no reason to doubt it or anything like that. But it almost seems as this is a cancer survivor's journey.
1: That is the beautiful thing about music, Steve. Everybody interprets it how they want to.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I just, like, as I said, I see so many different parts of, like, the grieving process. And then when you look smack dab in the middle of this album, you know almost almost the middle track is cancer and and as i told you while ago when we were listening to it it's so literal that it's almost like they're right there in it and and it feels like maybe you know they came out of that and so when you get to like like disenchanted it's the it's the wisdom that has come from what this person has been through realizing there's bigger things and so you come to famous last words and it's like i'm not afraid to keep living now you know i've i've gone through the worst of what i could go through how does it get worse than than death's door mm-hmm. you know and and so i i don't know i mean that i feel like there's a case that, like again i'm not ready to really go to bat for it necessarily but i feel <laughs> like there's a case that could be made for that
1: no absolutely i mean that's definitely that's again that shows you like the two opposite ends of the coin right like you have the people that are not like pessimistic is the wrong word, but mm-hmm. like the glass half full, half empty, you know, like you are like, oh, I see this is like a survivor. And like with this last song, like the chorus, like I am not afraid to keep on living mm-hmm. like all of that. Like, yes, that is a powerful message. And I think that this song more maybe than any other song on the record, like something that Gerard said in an interview when this record came out really stuck with me is that. On this record, they were able to say things to their audience that previously they could only say on stage. Hmm. So Mike Hems' message a lot on stage before the Black Parade was always like, you know, it's okay to be messed up. It's okay to be different. Um You know, keep going like your art matters like all things like that, That you know, they couldn't they weren't really putting into their songs. Mm -hmm. Whereas this I feel like this song is almost like a message to their audience. You know, I like I am not afraid to keep on living. I am not afraid to walk this world alone. Like if you like back in 2006, like 16 year old Kristen and, you know, all the people that were listening that were in that age range. Like, you listen to this record and you're going through it, and things you're like, oh my God, like, this is so awful. Like, this will never get better. Like, take this message and the message in the Black Parade, you know, defiant till the end. We hear the call to carry on and keep going that's mm. why like when the whole death cult thing came out it was so insane because it's like no this band's message has always been like we are a band to save people's lives we want to encourage people to live so that on this song i think probably more than any song they've ever written this is like if i had to say like i'm rambling but mm-hmm. if i had if i had to say like if someone said to me, what is my chemical romance's message? Give it to me in a song. I would give them famous last words.
0: I, I mean, I I like that it's a positive thing because I go back to my original thing where I said, you know, around this era is when I would make fun of this music based on the way the people were dressed and, you know, the way the teenagers acted that were all into them and just be emo, emo, emo and think that what they were giving was too much of a navel gazing kind of selfish attitude look and i may still feel a little bit of that but what i'd see in this is something that's a lot more hopeful than any of the music i thought they were putting out at the time
1: 100 you know and like the like in the bridge of this song like where he says like i see you lying next to me with words i thought i never speak and the first like lyric after that or the first words after that are awake and unafraid
2: mm-hmm.
1: like one of my really really good friends lost a like in one year she lost three people that were super close to her Hmm. and like she was a my chem fanatic i don't i shouldn't say was she is (laughs) she is a my chem fanatic but she got tattooed on her wrist because she's like i want to look at this every single day she got the lyrics awake and unafraid on Mm -hmm. her wrists
2: yeah
1: to like constantly remind her like keep going you, like, you got this. And it's like people could, like, you know, I know people that aren't into music and stuff like that. And they'll be like, well, you know, a music shouldn't have to tell someone that. Like, they should just know that. And it's like, yeah, but sometimes people need to identify to an emotion in music and see that they're not alone. And that's something that I think my chemical romance was always um, very big purveyors of. And like carried the torch and carried the flag for that Mm -hmm. for a very long time of like, if you feel ostracized and if you feel alienated, relate, like look to us Mm -hmm. because we are a band of misfits.
2: Mm.
1: And that's why I think they hold such a special place in people's hearts, because like you said, like, you know, you hit some of these bands in a sweet spot at a certain time in your life. And when you find that band, where you're like, oh, like, it's okay to be a little off center, because everyone in that band's off center. Right. That's a huge deal.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and finally, I want to make a comment about the early two thousands and the hidden tracks on CDs. <laughs> there was there was a thing on a lot of CDs where there would be a track that was not list listed, and if you just let it play at the end. A lot of times it wouldn't even go to a new track. You would just have either some a moment of silence or just a quick break and then boom into a into a song that's not even listed on the thing. And, yeah, some uh, songs
1: for like thirteen minutes and it would come in at like eight minutes and yes.
0: you're like, What? Yeah. You're like, what is going on here? And so uh and this is the hidden track off of this album. It's called Blood. Oh, is it silent here on the Wow? I-
1: i told you what time to go oh i didn't tell you what no. time i deleted it it's one a uh,
0: oh wow okay that's hilarious like there's silence on this track on the amazon uh-huh yeah music. one
1: thirty-one.
0: fantastic i love it, it also
1: cur- if there's a curse guys well they encourage your complete cooperation send
3: your roses when they think you need to smile can't control myself because i don't know how when they love me for it honestly i'll be here for a while so give them blood blood gallons of the stuff give them all that they can drink and it will never be enough so give them blood 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 grab a glass because there's going to be a
0: flood (laughs) so this is kind of a all the all the hope and stuff i just had just kind of went out the window this seemed like a very personal message from an artist to the <laughs> to the people about what they go through
1: <laughs> i gave you blood
0: exactly blood, sweat
1: and tears on this record That's right. also this this is my song that when i hear it now i'm like oh my god this is such a good song for joker can someone make a joker fan oh vid yeah of this song
0: yeah i can see that full circle i mean the
1: doctors and the nurses they adore me so <laughs> and then and then the cursing part but
2: mm. it's so good yeah <laughs>
1: And it's literally like I don't I think the song is like maybe a minute, maybe mm-hmm. a minute and like 5 seconds. Yep. And um on the Black Parade tour, they did They came out as the Black Parade because, you know, the Black Parade was its own band. And they did the record from start to finish. And then when they went to change into the My Chemical Romance stuff, they played this over the PA. And it was deafening the kids that were just screaming the lyrics to this song. And for the longest time on YouTube, there was actually a video from a show back then of everybody singing it. And the person has since deleted it, which is such a bummer because that was such an iconic moment. But... Maybe they'll bring it back. Who knows?
0: Yeah. Well, um, I, if they do... I, look, that's a great thing for the fans. I just love the idea of the hidden track back in the day because they were all little... Most of the time, they were little things like this where it was just a like a nice little epilogue, something that was completely off the beaten path from the rest of the album. Uh, sometimes it was just like this where it sounded like they had just basically ported it over from a from a record player. <laughs> you know, from the 1940s or something, and um, just a little nugget, a little yeah, extra nugget to send yeah, you on your way. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So that's. Uh, look, I, here's. I, I wrote down two things as we were talking tonight. <laughs> Albums are hard work; they're not just made. And you know, I know that in in the in the day and age, especially as we've gone through in the past, gee whiz decade and decade and a half or so, maybe even the last twenty years, where pop stars especially are just they seem to be manufactured. you know what I mean yeah um and uh and so i you forget sometimes just how when people are actually working and doing the work um that these things actually are a lot of work, and there's a lot of thought and time and energy that goes into them. And so looking back, you know, to be dismissive of someone's work just because you don't like it, Steve, is is not right. It's not a good (laughs) thing. The other thing I wrote down was musical talent. Um, (coughs) These guys are musically talented. Mm -hmm. You know, like you say, especially with some of those, um, the, the, uh, the, the guitar riffs and everything. So, um, but, you know, here we are. And, and I just, I, that's kind of one of the, my big takeaways from this album. So, Kristen, also, we've been going.
1: Before we end, can you just yes. read the quote that I put on the top under the header? Because I think it's a great quote to, like, sum up the album and say, like, mm-hmm. so long.
0: From Entertainment Weekly 2006. Yes. On it's their, so good. On their, th- on their third studio album, A Musical H bomb of an Effort, the Jersey Quintet combined the rock opera pomp of Queen with the darker, dirtier tones of their Screamo past. Call it a Bohemian rhapsody, even without its broad concept. A dying cancer patient seeks revenge and redemption. Parade stands as one of the most cohesive, engaging rock records of two thousand six.
1: End of all time. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> that was added um, by me. Uh, so I'm, I'm I'm sorry, I'm texting right now with Erish, who was supposed to come on. Um. And and I and we've we've kind of messed up. We've been going for almost three hours on this thing, Kristen. Oh, um, it's a well, it's a great reunion show, is what it is. <laughs> it, it's been a great reunion show. Um, we got
1: to three thousand, by the way.
0: I saw that. I saw that. I was about to. I was about to bring that up. That sorry. That <laughs> <Spoiler> we. <alert. laughs> uh, so so yeah. No, it's fine. We did hit three thousand during the show, and we thank everyone who's given. It's fantastic. If you're picking this up on the podcast feed through some miracle of the rock gods, uh, during, the, during the week, uh, between February 9th and 15th of 2020, you can still give it geek out online.com. Um, it, in, and, and and we'd appreciate it as we try to hit our goal of $5,000 this year. It's, it's a thing we love to do annually and have a great time. And, and Kristen, I hope that there can be, uh, more of this, uh, as we move forward. Um, on on this little journey into whatever's gonna gonna be coming our way and so as i said earlier i don't want to i don't want to step out and make promises of like it's going to be all the time everybody but i definitely think it's it's a good time and it's worth getting together and and rocking out every now and again my friend
1: yes 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 i'm
2: shaking your hand right now
0: all right (laughs) the email is rockoutloudpod at gmail.com rockoutloudpod at gmail.com and of course if you want to join up with the group over at uh, facebook.com you can go or facebook.com what am I 50 if you want to be on our facebook group it's uh go to geekoutonline.com/group and jump in there and get some music conversation going thank you everyone for giving thank you everyone for being with us until next time i'm steve
1: i'm kristen
0: rock on everybody
1: rock on guys carry on